when all is lost for you inside. He knew it was his turn, didn't he? <laughs> when all the darkness takes the light, the ritual warning has begun. Now you tear away from everyone. Disconnected so alone, severed ties from all you know. Isolation! Yeah, there you got it. <laughs> Honestly, I just thought you were holding a human skull, to be honest. Well, what is what were you holding to start off with? Well, a human skull. Okay, well, where did you it's not get a human? That, yeah, where did you get that from, George? <laughs> I don't know. Bought it for Dad one year, and it's just been like on the coffee table ever since. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. Is there a reason you chose to deliver that like it was Hamlet? <laughs> well, so that it would disguise the fact that it was um, an altar. Oh, I song. see. Okay. I don't know if you know the reference you were making there because David Tennant played Hamlet famously. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, so okay. I was actually being very clever then. You were, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> more, more clever than you realize. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> oh. Okay. So, yeah, how's isolation persisting? Well, it's um, it's brought me to the end. Of? Until you love again. Your patience, your will to live, your life. <laughs> no, I'm going to stop reading the lyrics now. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it just is, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's, well, this is, what, the third week now? Yeah, we're it's on sort of three. The novelty of it is sort of gone now, but, I guess. Uh, I, okay, obviously, I think I'll this tell you is... what I do. I miss hot food. I didn't realise how much I'd miss hot food. What do you mean? Well, like, I mean, we have, like, hot meals, like, in dinner time and stuff. But, like, I miss when you could just go out and just, like, get a burger. Or you could go out and just get, like, you know... <laughs> you can't right. do that okay. anymore. The thing is, George, when you do your weekly food shop, you could just get burgers for lunch. I can't, I can't just be, like, in the kitchen cooking up, like you know, enchiladas or like a Chinese or something when my dad is just like over there. It's like, what are you doing? Why not? He might want some and I don't, (laughs) I don't portion it out from multiple people. Well, you do. You just have it all yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, I don't know about, this is obviously the worst week in terms of loss of life. I assume that's like a delayed reaction because of people were going out a lot. And then yeah. the lockdown kicked in. Yeah. So it's sort of a delayed reaction from when people were out. Yeah, all I the think time. this should. I, I, ideally, sounds like a weird word to use, but ideally, this will be the worst week. Yeah. Maybe well, next week as well. well but, yeah, they reckon the peak's supposed to be Easter weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, doesn't it also feel like even if it's stretching you to the ends of your patience to some degree and boredom setting in, don't you also think that it doesn't even really seem like a. It's sort of like a passive calamity in a way. Obviously not to the people that it's really affecting, but to the rest of us who are just batting down the hatches, it just sort of feels like a as an armchair resistance. Do you know what I mean? In like a way, yeah. I mean, the only real effect I've noticed is, I think I've said before, like I wasn't going to work anyway because mm. the building I worked at was affected by a flood like a couple of weeks before the coronavirus. So I was out of work anyway. So the only real difference is I can't really go out driving at the risk of being, like, pulled over and fined. Mm-hmm. And I can't go and get hot food. <laughs> That's all I've really noticed. <laughs> I did, though, yesterday. Um, I went down to, like, the spa, and I picked up some food, and I went and sat by... There's, like, a river that runs near where my house is. So I sort of sat down by the river. And and, and, and pondered, did you? And yep. Yeah, pretty much. considered whether to hurl yourself in. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't that. <laughs> okay. But it was very nice. It was, like... Um, I don't know if you, like, ever have a moment like that where the, when there's, like, a moment or sort of, like, you're in a place and you're sort of there and you think, oh, this would be, like, a shot in a film. Mm. Yeah. I was sort of sitting next to the river and because um, along that riverbank there are a lot of, like, businesses and stuff, including, like, car dealerships that have, like, um, all these, like, oil reserves and stuff from, like, when they work on the cars. 
So the river is still like black, but it has like shimmers of uh, color through it from where the oil is right. still like circling through the river. So I was just like staring out across this riverbank with all these like destroyed trees and just rubbish lining the shoreline. And you thought how beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... um. We do, you know, we're in the South Wales Valleys. We do exist notionally in an area of natural beauty, mm. but all of the natural beauty is just infected with industry. <laughs> just yeah. all the rivers are shit and slime. Yeah. And- I don't know, maybe the music I was listening to helped. But yeah, I was sitting there thinking like, oh yeah, this would be a shot in the film. <laughs> just you against the backdrop of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it didn't look like shit, you know? Okay. It looked quite nice, actually, because there wasn't a cloud in the sky as well. So it was like, a, you know, a this sort of brilliant blue sky and just this black river and just the contrast because usually they share a color well they? almost yeah almost yeah yeah so the fact that the river and the sky were contrasting and you get like you had these like shimmers of color as these ducks were like you know dying yeah <laughs> in the poison vapor of the water i mean yeah it's nice that you could that you could find aesthetic beauty in that but that's just that feels bleak to me <laughs> yeah well uh, yeah. Eddie, what about you? How are you uh, finding solitude? I, I'm get, I mean, I'm getting a little bored. Okay. I mean, my, so my my PlayStation has arrived, um, <laughs> and now you're getting bored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um, much earlier. Than so expected. yeah, that's arrived. Yeah. But then obviously, I forgot how long it takes to set up a PlayStation. You have to install games rather than just pop a disc in, and it works. Uh-huh. Yeah. So there was all of that. Uh, my dad sent me a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Okay. But he had like, so he did the same for my sister as he did for me in that he customized. So he chose a picture and had it put on a puzzle All right. and then set, sent How us. much of a dick was he in the picture he chose? So the picture he chose was, so me and him went to the Isle of Wight last year. Right. And the place we were staying in had a hot tub. So okay. he, uh, he took a picture of me in the hot tub while, uh, while we were there. And that's what he put on the puzzle, which for the outer area is fine. But the water, <laughs> which takes up about half the picture is all blue. Right. And that, it literally got to the point where I was, like, trying every piece to fit one spot. That's a that's a, um, that's a shot in a film, isn't it? Just someone doing a, pic- a jigsaw puzzle of themselves. Well, I was going <laughs> to say, I can't decide whether that's utter vanity or existential masochism. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, just like, put, slowly putting yourself together, like, half-formed <laughs> yeah. image of yourself. There's, you know, there's a moment, it's like, yeah, I know everything I need to know about that character. Him doing a jigsaw puzzle <laughs> of himself. Like, but that's the thing, I, I, I don't, because I can't decide whether... That, per- that person is self-obsessed. Well, I suppose they're self-obsessed either way, but, like, whether they're narcissistic or self-loathing, <laughs> I, cu- I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I, f- I feel well, like I mean, self-loathing is a bit of a leap. I, was saying, I, yeah. I, I, mean, I see, I see your, there, um, your logic to it. Yeah. I do feel mm. like it's a bit of a leap. Well, I don't know. So, yeah, if they're sat there like me in a hot tub, t- putting that in picture, going, oh, yeah, that's me. That's me in a hot tub. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, 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 it's not just a picture of you. It's you in a hot, like, a, a symbol in of, a hot like, tub luxuriousness. Leaning, I'm in know? a hot tub leaning back, going, yeah, ah, it's just a lot. But it's Especially considering the circumstances in which that puzzle has been completed, surely it's just kind of a flaccid maneuver. If oh. like you, you just finish this image of yourself, and then like, yep. Well, I can't show it to anyone. Uh, remember when I could go in hot tubs? <laughs> it's like I'm still on my own, just looking at this picture of myself. Yeah. All you can do, I suppose, is take a picture and then put it online. But that is sheer vanity, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Well, I um. Yeah. Yeah. I finished it. Took a picture, put it in the WhatsApp family WhatsApp group, and then told my dad not to send me another one. <laughs> Thanks, but fuck off. Yeah. It took me four days. Okay. Like I was having to stop so that I didn't throw it. So I, I, I thought you said I had to stop because I was I thought I was gonna throw up. Yeah. No. <laughs> What's the um 
What's the virtue of a jigsaw puzzle? What does it uh, offer? Well, it activity. The time. Yeah, yeah, but is it? Do, do you find it therapeutic at all? I, I mean, there there is something about when you when you do finish it, there is something of a oh, I've done something. Oh. Okay, because you know it, it obviously is a ch- it was a challenge purely for the fact that most of it was the same fucking color. Yeah, but uh, beyond that, I mean, I don't. It's not something I would do very often. And I think, to be honest, I think he sent it to me because he was doing one for my sister because she does do puzzles. Okay, okay. So I think it was like, oh, I'll send Ed one too then. I was like, you could have just sent me a game for the Xbox. I'd have probably been a bit happier. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like if you uh, if you do find it therapeutic, like colouring in or something, fair enough. I just, it, it feels like Sudoku to me, which there's no skill really. There might be a skill on how quickly you can do it, mm. but Sudoku require as long as you know the rules, it requires no skill, does it? It's just trial and error until all the boxes are filled. I don't know. I, I, th- I would say it's more like Lego, where you sort of, it's, you're doing this activity and then at the end of it, you have a thing. Okay, that, that's yeah. fair enough, but it's not like cheap, puzzle, is it? Like you finish, you finish the puzzle and you have like a picture or you finish the Lego and then you have like a, a model that you can just have in your hands. Yeah, you're obviously yeah. talking about Lego where the, the, it's prescribed what you're supposed to build. Yeah, but not you can build Lego. models out of, you can do it freeform, but yeah, you can just buy a kit. Yeah, sure. Most of the stuff I have in my house is a I kit. I really wish I had Lego right now. <laughs> really? Yeah. I really... Guys, like- we're in our 20s. <laughs> so i've run out of room for lego i genuinely can't buy any more lego because my my room is just full of lego kit <laughs> well most I of mean, them were from when i was a kid granted but, okay you know. free form i get i suppose i just mean it's not um completing a jigsaw puzzle or sudoku or lego it's not an achievement of of skill is it it's an achievement of time you've you've ach- you've done a thing over some time and now you finished it yes because yeah. you know a jigsaw puzzle if you're not at all skilled at doing them, you just try every piece until one fits, don't you? You know what I mean? I did. <laughs> okay, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So it's uh, it's more like, ha, I overcame tedium. Like, I beat you. I beat... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. fair enough. Yeah. Why are you determined to take the magic out of everything? Do jigsaw puzzles have magic? Well, Is it's... Magic they, they certainly puzzles? have less magic now. You're like, oh, it's just an exercise in tedium. No, it was an exercise in beating tedium, isn't it? <laughs> Don't try to put a positive spin no, like on I said, it. It's still you're still I'm diminishing what it is. I'm not trying to put a positive spin on it. I'm 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 saying if you find it therapeutic, fair enough. I'm just saying it's not it's not a skillful endeavor. It's, it doesn't require skill, is all I'm saying. Okay. Mm. Does that I'm make not, it lesser? I'm not. Well, I'm not denuding the practice of any substance. I'm just saying that saying you're a good jigsaw player is saying like you're good at being alive. <laughs> I don't think of anyone. I've ever heard anyone refer to themselves as a jigsaw player. A jigsaw player. Okay. If you're a good jigsaw participant, a jigsaw puzzler, then to me, that's just like saying you're good at breathing. Right. <laughs> You've done it. You continue to do it and it, it's there and you're there. Somewhere in the world, you've just offended a massive group of like people that don't Oh, the jigsaw community will never listen to us again. All yeah. the jigsaw diehards are too old to know how to work a computer. So they're not listening to us. Hey, their grandsons might have hooked them up with the podcast. You never know. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. granddad! <laughs> this wank is slagging off jigsaw puzzles. They were talking about fucking Doctor Who a moment ago. I, I, this took me completely by surprise. I thought we were safe. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this was going to be a jigsaw slander-free podcast. <laughs> okay. Oh, um, dear. Yeah, I mean, my life just continues on as it has been, basically. Yeah. Um... But I need to duck out a sec. I'll be back as soon as I can, okay? I'm only going to be a couple of minutes. All right. Are we carrying on, or...? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, we might as well just wait now, innit? Yeah. 
it'll annoy me for about a week and then once it gets after that week i'll just get used to it being longer so like i can't decide whether i'm just going to keep the beard or not because usually is again like i let it grow so far and then i get rid of it yeah i would just I, I grow the beard for as long as you're growing the hair yeah yeah well it, yeah I, I might have to make an electric shave on my next purchase yeah i'm gonna I'm gonna shave my head today i think mm. yeah it's too long for my liking I, don't, I also I don't know when he disappeared, but um, oh, it certainly was more than a couple of minutes. Yeah, ago. I was gonna say I feel like we've been talking for a good ten minutes. Yeah, so say something disparaging about him, George. You're a fat cunt. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Jesus, you just I can't I can't top that. Like, there's nowhere I can go. You just you went right to the uh, the core there, yeah. What can I say that will be worse? George, you're a fucking... Uh, you dweeb. Like, what can I say? <laughs> you're a fat cunt. I don't like... Yeah, that was very economic. I can't... <laughs> like, in terms of the pith of insult, you just... You hit the nail right on the head, dude. There's nothing... <laughs> you can't trim that. You can't do anything with it. You're a fat cunt. Yeah. <laughs> Subject... <laughs> indefinite article <laughs> adjective <laughs> noun <laughs> that's kind of that's it you know <laughs> in a nutshell oh, oh he's, gonna, he's gonna love hearing this back isn't he <laughs> <laughs> oh dear I, w- I would love to know what he's disappeared off to do Someone better be dead. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> Let's guess. Uh, Let's have three guesses each as to what he's been called away to do. Uh, I'm I, honestly, I'm gonna say he's gone to sort out that gate. Yeah, he's gone to hold, like, hold something while his father does a thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, like a two-man job, sort of. Yeah, yeah, gate, gate-related. Oh, that, that said, that was well, was that Thursday? Yeah. So maybe not gate-related. What else would it be? Someone's clogged the toilet. So calling Jordan to deal with it because <laughs> it was Jordan an hour ago. <laughs> okay, I fuck me. I'm just being. I'm just being mean to him. <laughs> he is going to hear this, you know. <laughs> this isn't dead time. This is. I know, am just this being is a codified. The fact I didn't suggest that he's blocked the toilet <laughs> again. I feel like if that's what tips it over the edge, like, oh mate, I'm I'm okay with you calling me a fat cunt, but saying that I blocked the toilet, nah, nah, nah that's that's over the line. <laughs> Uh, he should be used to it by now I'm a dick to him half the time yeah have you ever called him a fat cunt not to his face not to his face okay <laughs> actually no I don't think I have at all do you reckon this is all just an elaborate ruse so that he can listen to what we say when he's not around maybe Why are we waiting? Why are we waiting? Oh, why are we waiting? Oh, why, why, why? Join me, Eddie. Why are we waiting? Why are we waiting? Oh, 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 why? 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 That was less harmony, more like an echo. 
Yeah. <laughs> Should we just do it with that? I am temp- genuinely tempted. Because, yeah, we, are, I, we, we literally got through introductions where we didn't even introduce ourselves. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. Ah, fuck it. They know who we are at this point. Yeah. Our, our, our avid listeners, those, you know, those three, they know us at this point. Yes. I would hope so. There you go. The gang's all back together. What was that? Sorry about that. What the fuck were you doing? How long was I gone? Half over, an hour? Over half hour. No. Yeah, it was. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. I was long, gone longer than I thought I would be. Sorry about that. What, what were you doing? You know that gate that Dad wanted me to build? Yeah. Yeah, he did it without me. But the um, he needed the frame like fitted to the, the wall outside. Right. So, yeah, sorry about that. Well, we were giving you five more minutes, and then we were going to persist. Oh, you haven't without, carried on with the so, podcast? No. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. All right, then. Uh, we can just move on to the next thing now, then. Yeah, okay. Well, thank um, you for waiting. I, I, I do sorry. apologize. I accept your apology. Uh, you're going to hear some horrible stuff. <laughs> so that's in, fine. In, in the edit, though, just so you know. Uh, Eddie, yes. you want to talk about uh, football. Yes, football. Um, which I know is it's not something we usually do on this podcast. No. Because needless to say, neither you two have any interest in football. Needless to say. Yeah. So basically, it was put to the Premier League footballer, which is the uh, the footballers, which is like the top league in the UK. That <laughs> I, know, I know that. Okay. You are, look, I don't know how basic I've <laughs> got to go. We're not completely brain dead, Eddie. <laughs> we, know a ba- we know as much football as it's feasible to know just by existing. You know? Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. But basically, it was put to them that they should take a 30% pay cut right. in order to help the country financially, certainly the football clubs financially, because some of the smaller teams in the big league, you know, they're not worth the same amount of money as your Manchester United, your Liverpools and all that. Yeah, yeah. And basically, the PFA, which is the like football association, the pissing football association. I can't. I don't know. I genuinely can't remember the first word. Um, the pissing football association. You got. It's not. You know. Yeah. You got to put the emphasis, otherwise it just yeah, sounds it's like, like you know pissing football association. Yeah. They basically turned around and said that players taking a pay cut would actually be more detrimental to the NHS because the amount that they get taxed per year would then have to decrease. <laughs> And so players shouldn't take a pay cut. And that was a hell of a spin. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm pretty um, there are sure. Certainly some footballers. Because there are thresholds, aren't there? There are like specific thresholds that if you pass this threshold, you get taxed 20% or 30% or 40%, right? That's how taxing that works. That okay. could well yeah, be the case. I don't know. Okay. But I think it's just a, a fixed percentage. Right. Yeah, they, okay. were, they, were, they were basically arguing the toss that this was something... Well, yeah, it must be that way. That because be... if it's not that way, then then their argument doesn't work. Because it doesn't matter how much money you're earning, you always get taxed the same amount. No, percentage, right? So you'd be paying more if you earned more, but the percentage would be the same across the board. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. It's, it'd still be 20%, but just, yeah, 20% of 100 grand a week is a little bit more than a grand a week. Yeah, okay. But yeah, you know, so they were making this argument and certain footballers certainly came out uh, in obje- objections, su- suggesting that their backs were against the wall. They didn't quite understand why, you know, it was football was suddenly being this focus. on it. I genuinely, like, I was reading through this and I was like, a lot of these players are on a hundred grand a week minimum. Yeah, and they right, don't okay. think they should take a pay cut for sitting on their ass. Yeah. Okay. For Here, three here's months. my uh, thing. I've seen. I mean, this was happening before the football thing happened, but since certainly since coronavirus, I've seen a lot of posts on social media of people saying stuff like, um, "We should just get rid of billionaires." Mm. There's, there should be no such thing as billionaires. If you earn, like, if you end, get to a point where you're earning a billion or you've earned a billion, then 
it was something condescending like oh congratulations you've won capitalism then give all the money back to the people or something like that mm. i'm not of that thinking at all i think like if you want Yes, there are people who earn more money than maybe they should. And yes, there are people who actively exploit the system in order to get money. I, we, that, that does happen. That's one yeah. of the, the flaws of capitalism. It's, it's, it is a system that can be exploited. But I, I'm, not a, I'm not one of these people who's like, oh, everyone should only earn X amount of money. I think that's one of the great things about living in a capitalist society is that you could potentially earn all the money in the world. You know, you shouldn't be... If you if if the maximum you could ever hope to earn is like a million or a billion pounds, and then all of your money just goes back to the government, what's the point? Mm. You know, there's no it's there's no motivation for people. So yeah, I'm not one of these people who's like, oh, you know, the rich should lose all their money, and oh, what are they doing with their money, and all that sort of stuff. But footballers do earn an absurd amount of money. Yeah, and I do think it's a little the fact that they're not doing anything, they're not even putting in like a token. You know, oh, okay, we'll donate a couple of million or whatever to the NHS to show that we're like we're on their side and the the fact that they're just outright saying oh no we shouldn't give money we shouldn't take pay cuts i think that's a bit shitty of them yeah because you like your clubs like barcelona and all that in spain they've taken a 70 percent pay cut okay and then uh in italy they were in the midst of agreeing a sort of 33 percent pay cut but juventus which is obviously the top team in italy they've frozen wages for four months because all that's the players very, that's and that's very nice. That's very generous. I'm not. That's. I'm not saying. I don't think we should be saying that like. Oh, this should be the standard. All footballers should do this. No. I think that's unfair. What I don't like, and I think what a lot of people probably don't like, is the fact that they're uh, they're not entertaining the idea of freezing wages or giving money or anything like that. Yeah. Like as you know, as much as I like football, at the end of the day, it is twenty two people kicking a bag of air between some fucking sticks. Right. Has anyone ever explained why footballers earn so much money? Uh, if they have, added. well, I mean, it's just the market, isn't it? I mean, like, so you know, on a economic level, yeah, I think capitalism is basically sound. But yeah, personally, yes, I think footballers earn way too much money, especially considering that I it's com- totally unappealing to me. Yeah. So the idea of these people being paid that like just gross amount of money is. Mm ridiculous especially when it's kind of a it's a skill set that comes with no uh kind of framework of any kind in the sense of they're good at this one thing you don't have to be um an ethical or any type of person to be good at you know it doesn't come with anything there's no content to it other than this one skill yeah at the risk of sounding slightly reductive Anyone can play football. Well, yeah. It require you know, it, it there is a skill to it at the highest levels, definitely. And there are people there, you know, there are players like if I were to get into a match with like David Beckham, I wouldn't score a single goal. Nah. So there is definitely a skill. Just go for to a sh- it. go for a shin straight away, and then you'll you'll absolutely <laughs> bang him in after that. But also hypothetically, you don't need to be born with like a certain. No, no, no. I don't. I don't agree with that. I think there is obviously a a hierarchy of skill like professional footballers are incredibly skilled at what they do yeah but it's it's not an industry that like you don't need it's not like medical school where you need a certain amount of training before you can even begin to ascend the ladder like you can just buy a football and start from there no there's natural ability is always a slice of the pie isn't it you and I could never be professional football players No. no no like even if like from youth if we were trained it just it was never gonna happen for us do you know what I mean okay uh, there's obviously natural ability along with training and everything. Mm. I'm not disputing the skill set. I'm just saying it's a skill set that's kind of empty because it comes with nothing 
uh, I mean, there, there are plenty of jobs like that, but let, let's go with actors, the other obscenely paid demographic. And I yeah. think that is a, you could argue that that comes with certain, it's a courier for other qualities like empathy, you know. I'm sure actors are incredibly, a lot of actors are just narcissistic monsters, mm. but it comes with something. Whereas being a great footballer comes, is bereft of any import whatsoever oh you're good at football okay that means you're good at football you know what i mean I, there's it, no transferable skill yeah that yeah saying okay. no 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 not transferable skills there's also no there's nothing else like there is i can infer from that that they're physically fit yeah um that's it I get nothing else from you if I know you're a football player. Right, okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, because oh, cool. it doesn't demand anything else of you. No, exactly. Like yeah. you said, with acting, it demands that you have a certain degree of empathy, that you sort of understand people so that you can sort of understand the character that you're inhabiting. Yeah. And it also yeah. demands... I'm not saying football doesn't demand discipline. No, It no. absolutely does in terms of, like, training yeah. and stuff. But, like, acting, it's very demanding of you and your, you know... Like, you... The, in fo- with football, they own your image. Mm-hmm. With actors, they own your image and they sort of own your mind as well. They're basically saying like, okay, for the next three weeks or three months, you're this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sort of live and embody this person and you sort of uh, are the catalyst of this other entity. Mm. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's um, all these things at the highest levels demand tenacity and uh, commitment. You know, like you don't, it's not like the film... Uh, being there like a Chauncey Gardner thing like you can't get to the top of a ladder by luck like I'm sure that has happened to some people yeah but most of these these things require like overnight success is a myth right no one gets successful overnight oh it's because they've been working unseen for a certain amount of time yeah but I mean like it's it's completely demonstrative in the outcome right so like with actors they abuse and people in Hollywood abused their power and now we're at a point where hopefully that's nigh on impossible. Yeah. Are you are you saying um, that in the wake of Weinstein or in the wake of coronavirus? No, in the wake of yeah, me too and Weinstein. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because um, coronavirus be... has helped a little bit. I think a lot of people are just buying their bullshit a lot less now. Oh, well, I don't think that. I don't. I don't think there's much of an overlap though in terms of abuse of you know status. No, but like um, after seeing like Sam Smith crying in his mansion and after seeing that oh, kind of yeah, video, yeah, yeah. video and stuff like that, when when they go back into the public eye and they start like you know preaching their gospel or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah i think there are going to be more people now who are just going to be like ah oh, but i don't i just yeah don't. I, I would say that's less less a deconstruction of power and that's more just an understanding of vacuity you know it's an understanding of their place like oh actors aren't all that why should i, I listen to them okay you know what i mean but with footballers i mean it's it's totally demonstrative in that there's you know there's a streak throughout uh football in particular of these young men just completely well rape and just like <laughs> no gen- genuinely that like there's a massive trend of this in football and and completely disgusting behavior wait are they raping it, each other or are they rape no no rape raping young girls right oh, okay and raping women because like there's yeah it's young men young test testosterone men that are good at one thing that requires nothing else of them and they now have fuck loads of money like in a way it's like when Justin Bieber was behaving like an arsehole it's like well what do you expect yeah yeah, yeah. it's like, slightly different with Justin Bieber I mean footballers typically start from a young age though don't they yeah yeah, yeah. but I was going to say that Justin that, Bieber was a child yeah that's star. why I, like, that's was, why was, I that's why I highlighted him in particular yeah he was thrust into um, stardom before he'd even hit puberty you know yeah before he'd even developed as a human being like how it's it's the dilemma of any child actor how do you expect them to cope with that level of exposure and that level of wealth and influence when 
they don't even know who they are as a person. Well, yeah, yes. I mean, they yeah, haven't take, even reached take that take point Macaulay in their life. Culkin for the example. Yeah, his sort of like he's doing better now, but his kind of like he flew off the rails. It's like, well, yeah, well, that's, of like that's there, you can count on like one hand the number of child actors who seem fully functional as adults. Mm. Yeah, whether they are or not, but you know, there's that kind of air of oh man, like you, you were trapped in amber, like you know what I mean, like you were a- you aged, but there's an essence of you that can't get out of that. It's like a yes. Dorian Gray thing, you know. It's uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's horrible. Anyway, yeah, we. I don't like football. I don't like footballers. <laughs> yeah, um, simple as really. Yeah, and I. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, so, that's so, all I wanted to highlight. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do dis. I not. I know. I agree with you. I don't disagree with yeah. you. I agree with you that it is a bit shitty of them to say like, oh, we're not going to dock wages. In fact, we shouldn't be docking wages because media spin, media spin, media spin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But despite the fact that I hate this idea of like, oh, if you're rich, then you don't deserve that money. I think that's yeah. utter bullshit. Mm-hmm. But in this instance, I think a lot of people are right to criticise. What was it? The F? The PFA? The PFA, yeah. The PFA, yeah. I think they're right to criticise them and they should do something. Even if it's yeah, just course. like, don't dock their wages, but just like donate a sizable amount to the NHS. Yeah. But again, it's it's just like the, the division between your personal and your political beliefs, isn't it? It's like um, Twitter. I'm sure we would all agree that as a private company, it has the right to do anything it wants in terms of its users. Like if they want to shadow ban people and they have the right to do that. It's not like it's a violation of free speech. They're a private company. Yes. They can do whatever the hell they want. But whether you think they should be doing that, you know? It's the, yes. it's the divide between your personal and political. Yeah. So yes, that's I'm the tricky for, thing, isn't it? Because there is yeah. definitely a line where you should be banning people. Like if people are, you know, far right spouting like the most heinous in a thing you can imagine, then there is no value or virtue to them. Oh no, no, no. Like platform. I'm not yeah, I'm, I don't want to argue the vagaries of what should be banned. I'm just I'm just drawing a comparison between your political and your personal beliefs. So like yeah. we politically we will say that footballers if they can earn that, you know, that's what the market is, then that's what the market is. Yeah. But personally, we can think that it's just a, an obscene, grotesque m- amount of money yeah. for something that we don't respect. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm. All right. Should we move on then? Okay. Uh, Eddie, what else did you have on your... Uh, the next thing I've got down is Quibi or Quibi. Oh, yeah. The, the, new, the new online streaming service, Fia Mobile. Oh, is this like another TikTok? No, no, no. no. Um... Yeah, so basically it's a, it's a mobile app uh, and they are they've produced original content. I think they divided it into three categories. Yeah. One of them is like movies and chapters. So, it's still unclear to me exactly what it is whether it's uh seasons, but at the, at the moment it looks like it's essentially a film that's been divided into chapters for quick consumption. Every, all of the episodes are like 10 minutes long. Yeah, if that. If it, that it, it's and it's 10 ba- minutes or it's less. It's designed the limit. yeah, it's designed for you to watch on like a lunch break right okay yeah. i'm starting to see why you might have brought this up eddie but continue yeah no it's just um so they they launched a couple of days ago uh well yesterday no yesterday they launched with a bundle of uh new movies and chapters and then another category is like reality shows and yeah i can't remember that and documentaries i think yeah but yeah like if you if you don't have the app on your mobile you it is I'm impossible to watch it you can't watch it on your laptop or anything like that you can't watch it on a television screen. It is designed specifically for mobile viewing, filmed vertically and horizontally. Um, so, you know, when you change your phone to portrait or landscape, the image, it accommodates that. Do the dimensions of the image change or does it just like flip it and crop it? Well, well, I, I think it's designed. I'm not sure. I Again, I, I haven't uh, watched any of this stuff, but I think it might kind of like sort of like a 3D film 
indicate to you when you're supposed to flip the phone. Oh, 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 okay. I don't know. That's a complete guesswork. I was going to say, I, if it's, if it's um, like, dynamic, like, at any time, you could just watch it portrait or switch the landscape and the image doesn't crop. It literally changes the dimensions of the image. Like, that's impressive. That I'll might be, that, that might well be the that. case. Some yeah. have been credited with it employing it better than others. Like, some, I guess, are just... It's like any video on your phone where, mm. you know, it just fills the frame, basically. But yeah. um, I think some have been accommodating the form artistically. Right. Okay. But again, I haven't seen it and I can't. I don't, I don't even know if we can watch it in the UK. I don't think we can. Okay. You can you can get the app. Is it, have they soft launch it? So it's not So this, this is the thing. The so certainly in America, you have the four ninety nine version and then you have the seven ninety nine version. And the seven ninety nine version... Obviously, this is a month now. The seven ninety nine version... Uh, is ad free. The 4.99 version is not. I think we've got access to the 4.99 version over here, not okay. The ad free. Right. Version. Okay. Yeah. I mean, all of the well, certainly their um, movies and chapters, none have been particularly favorably reviewed. N- oh. No, there's two that have got slight praise. Yeah, but we're talking like in the 70s, right? I can't imagine yeah. the quality of the content that it's. I mean, surely we're looking at, like, YouTube Red quality programming. This isn't, like, Netflix quality programming they're putting on this app. Well, it's, it's designed to be. Yeah, I know it's designed to be a Netflix rival, but if you're watching it on your phone, like, what's the point in putting in this, in of, of creating this, like, cinematically, like, rich programming? Because it's all just going to get lost in translation, surely. I don't know. I mean, I guess the idea is that a lot of people and watch also it's an app. things like, on their you know, phone it's, anyway. It's going so. onto your mobile. The, 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 um, like, the, physically, the data is... It's not going to be as powerful as Netflix, you know, in terms of streaming, I would have thought. I don't know, I guess as the power of mobile technology in- increases. So, I mean, I think increasingly people are going to be watching stuff on their phones anyway. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's obviously... They're trying to get their foot in the door early on, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. But I don't know. I just... Obviously, this is... There's being kind of a neo-Luddite in the sense, as I've talked about before, this idea of, I think, video games should just be discs and all that sort of stuff. But this just seems like, how how low must we sink? <laughs> the, the idea yeah. of a truncated attention span, don't cater to that. You're yeah. supposed to be expanding it, you know? Yeah, that's mm. the infuriating thing yeah. of it. Like like I said, I I like the idea of it can be viewed vertically or horizontally. I think that's yeah, a cool but, idea. But yeah, I, exactly. But this, purely this whole like idea a novel gimmick watch, thing. You can't watch a film in its entirety. I assume you said it's just chapters of yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't like that. No, like if, no. If you're making films which are only ten minutes long, then fine. But when you're splitting films up into like different segments, then no. Like I don't have the best attention span in the world. Don't get me wrong, but. Splitting a film up into ten, like t- say it's ten chapters of ten ten minutes, yeah. and they release them like one a week or something. Because I don't, I don't imagine it's going to be all out, you know, rolled out in one go. Well, that's a TV show, isn't it? Yeah, like like. Well, a- that's what's still unclear to me. I don't know whether it is a TV show that they are calling movies and chapters, or whether it's a feature film that they are just arbitrarily segmenting, like like a DVD menu. I don't know. I, I think it's bit. They are designed as. This is episode one, this is episode two. They're not just like, right, that's enough. I think they are, like, structured that way. Mm. You'd have to be. If you're splitting it up, if you're splitting up a a, a, a thing, yeah. and you know it's going to be split up, you have to accommodate for that in the script. Yes. So it is basically going to be like a film, but like every 10 minutes it's going to be like, oh, but what's going to happen next? Oh, but what's going to... It's going to be a TV show in that respect. Yeah, yeah. But this, I know, it's not like um, YouTube Red even where... Uh, YouTube Red, it's Cobra Kai, right? And then everything else. Right. Cobra Kai is like a a notch above. Okay. But I mean, like they, as far as YouTube Red goes, they haven't really attracted major stars like 
the Karate Kid alums are the are the closest you get to like A listers on YouTube. Yeah, right? yeah. The, it seems to be like mostly uh, YouTubers that are doing like yeah, that are yeah, trying yeah. to do uh, traditional TV shows. Yes, and stuff. but Quibi or Quibi, however you pronounce it, like they've attracted some big names. Like they've got is it Liam Hemsworth? He's not on the list of the things, the ones I've got on here. He's in most but... most dangerous game, I think. Okay. It's got Liam Hemsworth, Christoph Waltz, Anna Kendrick, Will Forte. You've got Idris okay. Elba. Sophie Turner's got a thing where she's the lead in it. Uh, Spielberg's involved. Yeah, of course he is. Um, and then like Chrissy Teigen and Jennifer Lopez and that. Chance the Rapper, I don't know if either of you know. Yeah, either. yeah. Um, I know him but by he's, name. Got, he's got a show called. Uh, punked, which is basically a revival of uh, the MTV prank show. Oh, right. they're, they're they're going all in on this then. Oh this yeah, isn't just yeah. a oh, this is here if you want it. It's like oh no, we are we are in the market now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, the one okay. thing that I like I have seen as a criticism is unless you have a membership, you can't like share anything uh, with people. So like one of the like things I saw was someone who had been watching shows on it and they wanted to share it. Like just go, ah, oh, you should watch this or whatever. And there wasn't a function to like share right. it or anything. I mean, that's like something that. that might get it. This is the problem, though, when you're reviewing something that's purely that has no physical form, like Quibi, or like you know, in terms of like video games. If you're reviewing a video game that's only sold digitally, the review that you give at like the the day it comes out could be completely invalid within like two weeks because they can just add features and they can patch in fixes and stuff like that. So whatever yeah. we're saying about Quibi now. Like, the fact that there has no share function. Like, in a week's time, that could be completely irrelevant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. one of the things I don't like about it as well, is that you can... It doesn't matter if you make mistakes anymore, because you can just fix it, you know? Yeah. Well, it, if we yeah, upload one like, of these podcasts a... to YouTube and there's a spelling mistake in the uh, in the chapters or whatever, like, we can't fix that. If we want to fix that, we have to take the video down and we have to put a new one up. Like, you have to make sure you get it right first time, you know? I don't know if I have... This isn't me, like, preemptively, well, like, I was oh, if I say, made any mistakes, like, I knew about are, are it. We, but... No, this thing, are we holding up a pretense here? Because we have done exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's we the have thing. Done was, that. Yeah, a little behind the scenes, there was an instance where I had, we did upload a video and there was a spelling error, so we had to take it down and put a new one yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. But that's my point, is that you have to be careful. Like, you have to yeah, yeah. make sure that you get it right. We, I don't like the idea of living in a world where you put something out there that's bad or it's wrong or there's, like, fundamental flaws and then within a week you're like oh it's not it's fine now well no i mean cr- critiquing the the format and the form in which it's presented is one thing because yeah that is subject to change i mean the content is the content right like the shows aren't going to change the, the shows are the shows like that is codified there's nothing mm. stopping them like there's nothing stopping them just sort of swapping out a cut of like one of the episodes they're not going to do that though i'm not they're saying not they gonna, will yeah but there's nothing yeah. stopping them technologically no speaking. i mean so in terms of if you if you want to review what's on there i think it's fair to review the their programming okay because yeah i don't think even in an age now where it's possible i don't think they'd have the goal to do that you know yeah because yes there would be zero integrity in doing that but yeah, I don't know. I just think, again, it's it's sort of a perfect accompaniment to the football conversation, really, in, in terms of personal and your political beliefs. Like, if this is going to make them a lot of money and the market now is people watching things on their phone, they're catering to that, that's fair enough. And I completely see the merits of doing that. Yeah. But personally, I think you have a responsibility as a, as a content producer to be, not to be catering to the whims and, and furthering the eternal abbreviation of, atten- of the attention span, of the collective attention span. I think you need to be a caretaker of that. 
Yeah. And yeah. you have a responsibility to make sure that it's preserved, you know? I don't want the world of entertainment just becoming five-minute things like I can watch on my phone. No. And I just worry about this kind of infinite regression. Yeah, I'm... The- then again, I didn't want the world to become like most of the video games I buy don't have physical physical copies anymore. But that seems yeah. to be it more and more and more the case. Yeah, know? but are you happy with that though? No, I'm not. And I'm so I'm, I'm, I'm I'm even less happy when I buy the game and then a year or two later they bring out a physical version of it. Right. Because I'm fucked then. It's like, well, I can't rebuy the fucking game, but now I'm stuck with a digital copy. Mm-hmm. Say one day PlayStation just decided, and this has happened, where they've just decided like, oh, we're going to take that off the market store mm-hmm. or we're mm-hmm. going to try and scrub every version of this game from existence. Like, that game that I've poured hundreds of hours into is just gone now. Right. It's the same with multiplayer. Yeah. We, we saw like a, a, a rise in multiplayer-only games a couple of uh, years ago where there is no single-player experience. The only way you can play the game is if you play online multiplayer. And when the servers are shut down after the game has stopped making money, that disc or that physic- uh, that digital copy or whatever is completely useless to you. Well, wasn't it? There's no version... software for you to engage with. Anyway. I'm saying, wasn't it a version of they did a version of Call of Duty which was only online? I think Modern Warfare, no Modern Warfare, Black Ops Four. Yeah, it was only online, and then yeah. the next game straight away back in with a campaign because people were like well. Where's the campaign? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not only was it a campaign, it was uh, World War Two. They uh, started yeah. going back to their roots because they were like, oh shit, that didn't work. Let's just be like, nostalgia, nostalgia. You know? yeah. Maybe this is an exhortation to just abandon gaming altogether, George. Well, I'm not going to do that, Sam. <laughs> oh, you know, the, the option's there, isn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, I mean, uh, as far as Quibi or Quibi goes... I, I keep abreast of everything that I can uh, in the televisual landscape. Yeah. I, but this is the first time... Because, like, everyone's got a streaming service now, right? NBC, they're all jumping into the pool on this one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and that. The fact that we've got another fucking streaming service that we have to keep track of now. But this is the thing. As as much as I'm a completist and I, I like to keep track of everything, I genuinely, it's an ethical commitment that I made. Like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Even yeah. if this was available to watch on the laptop... I'm just not doing it. I refuse to watch any of this stuff. Yeah. So no, as far as I'm concerned, if it's only available to watch on your mobile, it's not TV. Yeah. It's not a film. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not cinema. It's not television. It's just, okay. It's nothing. It's fluff. It's, eh. it was it that Matthew McConaughey thing. It's fairy dust, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's our, our review. <laughs> stay away creepy. from but yeah. If you care about cinema and television, stay away from this this app. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. My like sort of final thing is obviously like so. In the last week, the National Theatre have been putting shows on YouTube, and so I watched yeah. uh, One Man Two Governors starring James Corden. I really enjoyed the fact that um, I had a chance to watch it because yeah. I haven't been to the theatre in quite a while now. So for me, that was like, a, oh, this is really now that it's it's over two hours, and the idea of people then reducing their attention spans down to ten minutes. But yeah. there is so much content out there which is not just 10 minutes mm-hmm. that is better content. I'm not saying the content on this is bad. Yeah. But sites like YouTube and Quibi or Quibi, you know, they're aiming for shorter videos because that's what does better and stuff like that. But they're doing better because that's all we're pumping the bloody country with. Well, the thing is, you know, it, it just all- feels like it's, it's taking a kind of a concept too far in the sense of when Netflix got into television, that the big change was obviously... It's not going to be on conventional channels. That's the first thing. And they're going to block release all of their episodes, right? Yeah. Ooh, that's new. I don't know if I like that, but you adjust to that. You pace yourself and that's what that is. 
This just feels like it just rings totally of gimmick. Yeah. Ooh, cool. You can watch it on your phone. Yeah, but only your phone. Yeah, it's like it's not t- it's not taking it anywhere. It's just reducing it, you know? Well, I hopefully. On principle, uh, I mean, gimmick abstain. never really lasts in the technology world. Gimmicks never stick around. So no. hopefully they'll either have to adapt and be like, okay, we'll make it. We'll make it more like a conventional streaming service as well, but you know, yes, we're still, it's still made for phones, but you can watch it on the laptop or yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, ultimately, yeah, I'm not going to download the app, but yeah. ultimately, yeah, I hope that it doesn't worsen people's attention spans too much, and it doesn't discourage people from engaging in traditional content or long form content like two man one. What was it? Two something. <laughs> one two man, man, two governors. Yeah, 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 that. Or like the Irishman on Netflix, which is like a perfect uh, counter to. Quibi, where it's like a three okay. and a half hour film. You know? Yeah, that is too long. It is too long. That is but, too long, but you know, it's still something that it's still something people can watch. You know, this is part of it, right? So, like, my big gripe with mobile phones has always been, I, and this was like when I was fifteen or something. This was occurring to me. It feels like the mobile phone. It's what you do in transit between A and B. You need to get from A to B, right? To keep you occupied in the interim, you have the phone. But then the phone started to become A and B. It was always just the phone, the phone, the phone. Yeah. And it's like, you're always in transit somewhere. You're always moving. You're never Mm. stopping, right? And that's the whole thing about, like, people are never really alone with their thoughts anymore. So now that people are at home a lot, and that's a more likely occurrence, people are are just like, I'm going stir crazy. I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. I can't, like, I'm not okay with my own company, right? Yeah. And it's the thing of you're always moving. And... How much reward can you derive from a 10 minute chunk of a thing? That's, that's not, it's just, it's nothing, right? It's just, you're moving from one place to another. They, they are, it's on the the face of it. They're wearing it on their sleeve. They're saying, this is designed that if you just got a spare 10 minutes, you can watch that. Just let's stop for a second. It's okay to just stop and absorb a thing, but it feels like everything's just encouraging movement, movement, movement. And it's just, you're going to burn out. It's got to burn out at some point. But it's interesting that this app has come around um, at a time in which the world has stopped moving for a moment. Yeah, that is very... They couldn't have timed it better. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe that was their, their, their evil plan all along, was, oh, we'll... We'll um... infect the country and make them all stay No, 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 yeah. no. No, it's just like, oh, shit, there's this virus that's causing everyone to stay indoors. Let's, like, integrate ourselves into their lives now. So when everyone starts going on the move again, we're just like a part of people's lives no i mean i i think obviously the, like the the release was planned like way back I'm yeah, sure, yeah. That's, but um yeah it does seem a weird kind of fortuitous you know event on their behalf definitely yeah okay well speaking of attention spans eddie you wanted to talk about reading i did and i i, I pressure shall, shall i duck out again <laughs> <laughs> do i no, have any place in this conversation yeah. <clears throat> i would talk about reading uh purely because i read a play it wasn't necessarily a long play I think it was like 40 pages or something. But it's the first time I've read something in quite a while. Yeah. And I came across as really smarmy. <laughs> well, I, I came across, I, I, I suppose pompous is probably the better word. Yeah. Talking to my sister and my dad. Because I was talking about reading a play rather than yeah. reading a book. And they were like, oh, you read plays, you don't read books. But I was trying right. to explain to them the reason why I find it easier reading plays I don't need as much attention span to read a play. You know, if no. I read a 40-page play, even if it's really creative and it's really well done, I don't need a massive attention span. Well, I was going to say, I w- surely it's more cu- it's more haughty and like, ooh, to read a book. Well, yeah, but this thing, I don't, I own more plays than I do books. Yeah. And every time I try and sit there and read a book, 
I don't get into it. I don't, you know, I won't finish it. Right. It, or or it will take me like a really long time. Whereas if I sit down and I read a play, I can read it sort of quite quickly. What was the play? It, it's a play. It's called Swallow which right. is by Steph Smith. Oh, kinky. Um, what? Kinky, I said. Oh. Well, that was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Eddie. Um, but yeah. It was a play that I had so happened to pick up when I was at the National Theatre Bookstore. I didn't know anything about it. I just and I thought it was quite, you know, I did think it was quite a good play. It's it's interesting because I say it's only forty pages. I still think you probably get about an hour's worth of a show out of that at least. Right. But the reason it's interesting is it doesn't have stage directions. Okay. And it literally says interpret as you wish. It's like on the like first thing. And so it, again, as I say, I find it you know quite creative like reading stuff because it makes me think about like the stage and what you could do with that space mm-hmm. and you know as i was reading this i was going oh how would i stage this and then the more details you're finding out about the story you're going oh okay well i can't just have the three like these three characters one stood there one stood there one stood there because mm-hmm. they've got to interact at one point and then that suddenly they're interacting and so it was quite interesting because i was like oh i've got a f- i would actually have to think about it yeah, it kind of has a practical effect Mm. Yeah, it's sort of because the point I was going to make a point about like when Sam said that like surely it's it's more like Oof, to read a book it, it would be harder to read a book because like plays have a structure they have a form to them mm. you have like scene description that's sort of outlining the 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 boundaries of the scene and then you've got like this character speaks then this character speaks but whereas a book it's just like this dense wall of text yes it still has it still has a form no no but my point is like with a book you're doing all of the legwork whereas with the play it's sort of like it's giving you like a like a skeleton to sort of play around in you know do do you disagree i don't disagree i just don't know what you mean i exactly expound well no that's why i found it interesting that swallow has no stage uh description or scene direction or whatever it's closer to a book in that respect because it's not telling you okay, here's the basic outline of, of where we are and what's happening. It's sort of saying to you, like, oh, no, you're still... You have to bring something to this, you know? And that's what books seem to demand of you from the start, is like, okay, we'll give you, like, a story, but you're doing a lot of the work as well. You kind of have to meet us halfway here. It's like you're doing a lot of the work in the sense of you've got to fill in the blanks. I mean, the rule with writing, isn't it, is show, don't tell. Yeah. So there's a, an element of you're having to visualise what the book is describing. Yes. yes. But... I mean, books are, they're giving everything to you, right? In terms of what you, if there's an ambiguity or that you have to infer your own interpretation or that's, that, that's a separate thing. But I mean, a play, I mean, this obviously is just dialogue, right? So yeah. it has that practical application of how are you visualizing this? Yeah. Because it's completely barren in terms of um, yeah, well, description. There's a- Whereas a book is all, it's just description, right? Yeah. Well, on, on the first page there is a line which says Sammy Davis Jr. And it literally says in the notes beforehand um, that because the, the cast can be played by sort of any race, it literally says yeah. t- change the line as appropriate if needed. So like Frank Sinatra. So yeah, so you could change, yeah. So that you're referencing a different person in history that, that that you're vaguely suggesting that this character will look like. Right. So yeah, it's even allowing you slight interpretation with the text. Yeah, I, those those are interesting. I've read a few like that that don't kind of directly specify everything that should be done. And then I've read examples where it's too far the other way, where yeah. it's the diameter of the set and how literally how many seconds there should be between utterances and that sort of thing yeah right. and that's too prescriptive you know oh, like is. a happy medium and i i used to write too prescriptive 
I probably do arguably be right sometimes not prescriptive enough now. Right. But yeah, that, you know, I used to write, rather than just writing, he smokes or something, I would write, such and such goes into their pocket, takes out a packet of cigarettes, opens it up, yeah, yeah, takes yeah. out a cigarette, closes it up, puts it back in yeah. the pocket, lights like, it. Like micro beats. Yeah. Like literally, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I used to overwrite in the sense of, not in that sense, but <laughs> kind of write the action and then write what that meant. <laughs> like in, terms of, in like the universe of the story and that sort Daniel of Daniel walked into the room. This means he ponders life. <laughs> basically, basically. Um, anyway, yeah, so reading. I recently sort of got back into reading, dipped my toes back in the water. Because yeah, I read a lot as a child yes. and then stopped as kind of film and TV took over. I've always wanted to get back to it. And I read a book on a recommendation called uh, Stoner which is one of the best books I've ever read. And that was, it's, it's going to sound pretentious, of course it is, but because I hadn't read anything, a novel for so long, and because of how well written it was, it was genuinely like that thing in American Beauty of sometimes there's so much beauty in the world, I, I don't know if I can take it, you know? Right. Mm. It was, it was like a sensory overload of, oh my God, this is so good. I can't, it was like too much to take almost. And it, it's the only time I've ever read a book and it, it's made me sob. I got to the end of that book and I just sobbed. Right. And books have never had that effect on me. They've had entertainment value. I've recognized literary quality, but it's never produced that kind of emotional effect. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's what happens as, you know, reading as you get older, I guess. Or maybe it's just because you jumped back in at a... Because uh, Stoner is very well regarded, right? Yeah, kind of like, like a hidden gem, you know? Like, it's, it's often referred to as the best book you've never heard of. Right, okay. So maybe it was just that you you just, you just were fortunate enough to jump in at, like, a higher level. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, it, yeah. It, it the combination of the book being as good as it is, plus the fact that you're sort of rediscovering something that you genuinely enjoyed that's what created that kind of sensory overload yeah i was just like two great things colliding yeah i was just it's that thing of seeing your favorite film it, it, it just happened to be the right moment for it you know and yeah. stoner probably genuinely like i like i, said, I haven't read much in a long time but probably is my favorite book on balance okay and I th- yeah it was just the right time you know i have it happened to be a great book so i was very lucky in that regard yeah but um yeah jordan you ever, you ever gonna, gonna read the book? <laughs> uh, no, it's a thumbs down on reading, I'm afraid. Thumbs down on reading, is it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And finally, before we dive into Doctor Who, Ty, what the fuck's it called? Tiger, Tiger King. King. Yeah, so Eddie and I watched, <laughs> right, okay. Eddie and I have watched the first episode of Tiger King. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want to, do you want to riff, Eddie? I just, so the reason I, I kind of wanted to talk about Tiger King is, it is the number one show on Netflix in both the UK and America. Yeah. And I honestly don't know why. It's not the best thing ever Do made. Do we have another bird box on our hands where it's just something that's like inexplicably, for some reason, it's just captured people's imagination? Well, no, because this this is well reviewed as well. Bird box wasn't. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like this is well reviewed. This was recommended to me by like, I think it was like six or seven people. As like, oh, you should be watching. You should watch this. We're watching this. Well, let's face it. Part of it is that everyone is now at home watching Netflix, right? Yes. And so, had another show come along, it would have had the same fanfare. But I mean, my theory as to why it's so popular, you know, okay. So there's this idea because everyone has Netflix and everyone watches Netflix that it's news when something leaves Netflix or when Friends was going to leave Netflix or when something else is going to come on to... It's news, right? Because that's all there is now. There is no other channel. Yeah. And people think that every great show is on Netflix. Mm. 
and are just completely oblivious to everything else. And so that's why, like, our generation all of a sudden started watching documentaries, but only Netflix documentaries. Yes. And it's like, you do know documentaries pre-existed Netflix, and they were available to watch. I think Tiger King is capturing people's imagination because they are being exposed to something unusual, and their palette for the unusual is very elementary. Yes. These are people who haven't seen weird shit before. Is Tiger King weird then? Is that the appeal? Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a kooky, okay. weird character. Yeah, Joe Exotic is a complete and utter bonkers Donnie. Yeah, he's got like he's got two husbands or two boyfriends or whatever it is. He's He keeps tigers. He's a very odd-looking individual. He's got like a mullet and, you know. Yeah. Uh, he, and he tried to have a woman killed, right? All of which is said in the first episode. Right, okay. Um, it's like, I got the gist. Yeah. You know what I mean? I got the gist. The thing is, I am, you know, I dive into those YouTube black holes. I watch heinous shit. <laughs> <laughs> on online, you know, I've seen weird fucking shit. Yes, yeah. and so this is just like tame. It's just nothing. Oh, yeah. it's, he's an oddball. A lot of people you know? do. I think though, I don't think it's valid to say. I mean, in some instances, it's valid to say that this is a case of people who aren't really exposed to weird shit being exposed yeah. to weird shit that isn't that weird. Yeah, but because they've never really been exposed to it before, they're like it's sort of amplified. Yeah, but like. The YouTube black hole is not like a... It's not a niche thing. I think a lot of people fall into Oh, no, into no, 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 no. I'm not... Yeah, I'm not saying that people haven't fallen into that rabbit hole the, themselves. I'm just saying... There, there are rabbit holes and then there are rabbit holes, right? Yeah. I don't know. Just in the grand scheme of things, this doesn't seem that out there. He, he's an oddball, definitely. Yeah. But, yeah, why... I think there, another reason it's captured the imagination so much is that he's... He's very visually distinctive, isn't he? He's kind of instantly iconic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've seen pictures of him, so I know yeah. what he looks like. People have already, like, cosplayed as him, like, you know, fancy dress. Of course. Rob Lowe has done it, I think. Mm. Right. That, I think that's it, you know? It, he just lends himself also, to being yeah, um, a meme. Yeah, Jared Leto did a um, w- uh, oh, watching party or stream or whatever it was, and he dressed up right. as Joe Exotic. Okay. How does the show treat Joe Exotic? Does it treat him like he's this, like, weird, kooky individual? Does it treat him like he's normal and so the show itself feels weird try and explain no, to me they specifically explain the fact that he was absolutely bonkers okay. yeah it's not it's not like um oh look at this weird man i mean it's that's the thing it's not like uh groundbreaking in terms of in documentary terms it's just a, a pretty standard documentary you know okay it, it doesn't mess with the form or anything it's just like here's this odd guy here's this odd story i mean they, he's in it they interview him he's a big part of it it's not like from a distance yeah it's just a pretty objective this is these are the facts well, yeah sort of i mean thing. for so with tiger king when it started out when the the film crew like started coming at that point he hadn't tried to have carol baskin killed right they were just coming to film him to see what the hell that situation was yeah so all this footage they've got of him from like five years ago and everything like that that is all because they were going to do a documentary like this. It just so happens that as they were filming, he tried to have someone killed and that made a better story. It's kind of like, um, is it Making a Murderer? Mm. Yeah, where things change like in the midst of production. Yeah, yeah, that feels, yeah. Yeah. So there's, I mean, uh, I might watch all of it just because it's a cultural behemoth. You know what I mean? I was like, well, I better be fluent in it if I'm going to completely disregard it. Well, <laughs> you know? if you want to finish television, Sam, you got to watch... All the time. Yeah. Well, he's got he's got That's a wait because um, apparently there's an extra episode dropping on Netflix like next week or something. Ooh, tantalizing. I know they they've held an episode <laughs> back from us. Uh, nah, I you know I don't. I've seen the first one. I got the gist. I I'm I don't recommend it. No. If I continue, it will be it will be begrudgingly. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. But yeah, I guess I'll feed back if I bother to continue. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair enough. Okay. 
know if Doctor Who is going to become a... Well, obviously now it's a fixture for the foreseeable future. Yeah. We should have a jingle or something, shouldn't we? <laughs> I was thinking that. I was I was wondering if I should uh, change the background on YouTube or something. Should we all just uh, do a, a terrible version of the theme tune to use as a jingle? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be... We don't have to record it or anything and then use it. Just literally every time we'll do it. Okay. Okay. Well, jo- you you get us running, George, with the like... And then Eddie and I will come in with the theremin or whatever the fuck it is. Um, <laughs> Alright, ready? So, now we're going to talk about Doctor Who. Uh, series four. Yes. We'll do what we did last time, go through it episode by episode. Let's just dive in, shall we? Yep. Okay. So we're starting, I believe, with Voyage of the Damned. Yes. That we are, yes. Which is the Christmas special. Mm-hmm. Yes. Betwixt series three and four. As is often the case. As is often the case. Uh, do you want to give a quick little plot summary? Because we didn't really do oh, that. Oh, yeah. Of all, um, all, all the... Everything we said about those episodes and we didn't explain a single one of them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just the brief little premise. Yeah, Voyage of the Damned. There's a replica of the Titanic that is out in outer space that collides with the Doctor's TARDIS and the TARDIS goes on... The TARDIS. The Doctor goes on board the Titanic and finds out that there are... that there is something amiss. I know that could be basically the plot of every Doctor (laughs) Who episode. (laughs) The Doctor goes to a place and something is amiss. Something's amiss. But yeah, like it is very typical in the sense that he meets members of the crew. There's an alien threat and he has to save the day. Yeah. You know? I really wish they wouldn't do the Christmas specials. (laughs) Oh, why? I don't like them. You know, it's not as... Yeah, it's not as kind of jarring a departure as the last Christmas special. It's pretty tonally consistent, I guess, with the rest of the show. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. They're just a bit... Uh, I don't know. I don't like them. I mean, part of the appeal like of those them. Christmas specials is the fact that you, like, you've just finished Christmas dinner, you've opened your presents, you sit down Christmas afternoon with the family. And you take a shit. And you... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> while watching Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, so the, the episodes definitely lose a bit of their luster when you're just kind of watching them whenever the fuck, you know? Right. When you're okay. just sitting down watching them on Christmas Day, they do... You do get wrapped up in it a little more. As it were. Not much more. The episode is still... The quality of the episode doesn't change. Yeah. But yeah, so you... you you don't like Voyage of the Damned. Do I don't you? dislike it. I- Interesting uh, tidbit. This is actually, in terms of ratings, in terms of audience viewership, this is the, the highest rated episode. In terms of how many people watched it? Yeah, I think like 13.4 million people watched it, which yeah, is higher than any other episode of Doctor Who. Mm. Yeah, this was at its peak, wasn't it? Yeah. Also, Kylie Minogue probably helped. Yeah, Kylie Minogue. Yeah, yeah she's, I mean, she's fine in it, you know? Yeah. Um, She's not good. She's not bad. She's just there. Yeah. Okay, so first point. Obviously, the big cliffhanger at the end of Series 3 is he collides with the Titanic yeah. and it, he picks up a, a life ring and it says HMS Titanic on it. Yeah. Why does a spacecraft have a boy? Oh, you noticed that, huh? Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> well, it's so... <laughs> Why the fuck does it have a... You it's know? so David Tennant can see it's the... <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, it's, it's legitimately it is just for basically that. the only reason. I don't know. Is it the is the idea that it's supposed to be a, a replica and so they replicate literally everything, whether it's needed or not? I get. Also, you know, if he... Cra- you'd have to... When he crashed into it, it'd have to be at such an angle that the ring kind of just juts into the TARDIS because 
Surely it would just float. It's space. What was it on? What was the life ring on on oh, the outside of the okay, crowd? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Anyway. I thought you were going to the... complain about the fact that the exterior of the TARDIS is so much smaller than the Titanic. There is also the that. The entire like, front of the Titanic <laughs> shouldn't be in the TARDIS. Yeah, no, there is also that. That, yeah, that's always bothered. Yeah. Me. But that, I think that is typical, oh, it's Doctor Who, don't think about it. Yes. It's very yeah. Doctor Who, don't think about it. Yeah. Uh, it felt like kind of a, a greatest hits of the relics of British sitcoms. It's got Jeffrey Palmer from, um, oh, what's that? He's in the sitcom he did with Judy Dench. I don't know. I don't know what you're okay. referring to. Uh, the, the captain of the ship, basically. Yeah. Um, and Clive Swift from Keeping Up Appearances. Yeah. Yes, I like him. I quite like the alien apocrypha. So this idea that we worshipped Santa and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, his his Clive Swift's little segment about like, oh, people go to war with the turkeys every year and they eat yes, the yeah, people yeah. of Turkey. And yeah. That's fine. And they box. Yeah. yeah. I quite like that stuff. Um, I quite like the odd job halos. Yeah. That the... Oh, Yeah. <laughs> That the angels, whatever they are, have. Yeah. But yeah, just overall, I just wish they wouldn't do these Christmas specials. Because <laughs> it's, this one, it's like sometimes in Doctor Who, right? The sci fi dimensions are very rudimentary, right? So you've got like, it reminds me when we were in university, we had to dramaturg Macbeth and we had to recontextualize it. And at the time, uh, the Scottish referendum was happening. So we literally just said, oh, Macbeth is about Scottish politics. So just the actors were in suits and there was like a Scottish flag in the background, right? That, that, and that was it. Okay. And if this felt a bit like that, like, it, right, it's the Titanic, but it's in space. <laughs> right. The most basic thing you could do. So, do you know what I mean? Just melding kind of these two things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then I didn't like that. There's, when the doctor walks away from all the explosions, that's very cringeworthy. Yeah. <laughs> um, How did you feel about um, his speech? It's like, I'm the Doctor, I'm a Time Lord. It's like, it's exploding in the background. I can't even remember that. Oh, okay. So I was going to say, that's sort of, that's, I think, the quintessential David Tennant, I'm the Doctor speech. Like, whenever there's, like, compilations of David Tennant, that's always oh, in there. Oh, yeah. And it's front on, right? Yeah. Yeah, nah, nah. I'm not into all that stuff. <laughs> right. As I said before, whenever he gets serious, I get a bit... <laughs> okay. Snarks him about it. Uh, that's kind of it, really. I don't have much else to say about Voyage of the Damned. Yeah, it does feel like a... It's it's sort of completely irrelevant, isn't it, in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, yeah. It's a nice little pit stop, but it doesn't add anything. It's never called back to, yeah. I don't think. No. Oh, no, maybe. Um, very, no, very is, actually, briefly. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I don't know about past the series, but in the finale, it's very, very loosely yeah. alluded to. But it's, it's one of those things where it's not, you know, if that episode never existed, it's not as if Doctor Who would be hobbled without it. Yeah, no. Um, so as with series three, I've offered alternative titles oh, okay. mm-hmm. to uh, all the episodes. So my two for this one are Banner for Calamity. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's one. don't bother with the other one. I don't think we need it. <laughs> now, th- that is definitely the one I choose. But the other one is obviously because it's the Titanic. Uh, this My hearts will go on is uh, my uh, other suggestion. Okay. Right. Uh, no, because yeah, so, yeah cause, right. Not only has he got two hearts, also there is like a... Well, it kind of repeats the story of the story of the film Titanic, doesn't it? In yeah. a sense of mm. would-be lovers that then ah oh, she dies and uh, say, did you did you notice her name? What was her name? Astrid Peth. Take take out the P. It's an anagram of the TARDIS. Oh, is it? Yeah, Astrid is an anagram of TARDIS. Is that deliberate? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, Just to make Peth. you hate it more. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> Peth is also thing in Welsh, so. There's another little bit tidbit for you. <laughs> Astrid thing. 
Um, so that is a thumb sideways. Okay. Okay. That episode. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. 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 Okay. Partners in crime. Yeah. The return of Donna Noble. Yes. So I've got here the first shot of the season is Catherine Tate. Here we fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll just kind of sum up her in the entire season, I guess. Um, it was difficult. Oh, okay. She was difficult. There are moments where I hated her. And then mm-hmm. moments where I was, I put up with it. I never liked her. Okay. Catherine Tate is, I'm, I find, found it very difficult, very unwatchable. Right. Okay. Because she does the same fucking type of delete. Whenever she's angry, she does that same thing. That face and that voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, just do something else. And she's not a good actor. She's not. Even when it gets emotional, she's sobbing. It's like, you're just doing the Catherine Tate face. Right. I can't. But she is Catherine Tate. That's her face, you know? But I, I don't. I guess I don't like Catherine Tate then. <laughs> right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, how did you feel about her? Like what Donna was, like her relationship to the Doctor, because you've had Rose, who was the love interest, you've had Martha, who was the rebound, and now you've got Catherine Tate, where it's sort of like um, platonic. Platonic. Yes, they are literally just friends. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't think much of it. Like the very fact that the season ends with her memory being erased. <laughs> like I don't know if that is if they go back on that decision, but. That kind of felt weirdly appropriate. Of like you were, you're going to be ultimately forgettable, and now it just none of that ever happened as far as you're concerned. Right? Yeah, I don't, I don't like her as a companion. This is the only season she's a companion in, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Whew. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, I like. Um, I do like Donna. I think Catherine takes. Oh, performance- what? You no, don't no, like no, no, Donna? Let me let me finish. All right. Let me finish. I think as I'm getting older, her performance is becoming less palatable. Yes. As I'm getting older, I'm sort of growing distant from the appropriate age that that performance appeals to. Yeah. yeah. But I do really like the idea of Donna as a character. I think she's a decent... What idea, exactly? Well, that she's that her and the Doctor are purely platonic, and there is no tension of that kind between them. Right. And also, she's kind of... Um, I know like other companions have done this as well, and that's sort of like the fundamental point of a companion is they sort of the doctor saves the day and he does all of like the sciencey technical stuff but the companions are sort of the ones who look after the people who are being saved but like donna she kind of like notices things that the doctor doesn't and she sort of like she's not just extraneous she's part of she's like an active participant in the in the um the saving of the day you know right well we'll get to all that a little bit later and also the fact that she's come from nothing she's literally like nothing she doesn't even have a a full-time job um, right and yet she's she becomes this like very capable very important person i think that's quite nice okay she's all right <laughs> i don't like her yeah. that's all i can say she's all right she annoys me more sometimes more than others okay but yeah so partners in crime uh sarah lancashire w- she could do so much better than this <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i'm so upset that she was in this episode i mean that's all i can say about what, that, really. what, better than what what is what is she doctor who Right, okay. No, because you can have a good person in Doctor Who who does a good thing. Like, like is who? it the character that betrayed her? Not betrayed her, that's, that let her No, down? I just think she could do better. I just right. think Sarah Lancashire could do better. Okay. Uh, the Adipose. Yes. Uh, what? I, I I like him. <laughs> I don't care, I like him. The little bits, yeah, of, they're nice, the little bits nice of fat when, and they're cute. I don't care. Yeah, it's nice when the Doctor, when Doctor Who does... Um, I did the opposite thing then. Usually people call the Doctor Doctor Who, but I call the show the Doctor. <laughs> I completely okay. messed up there. Um, yeah, it's nice when Doctor Who does um, has villains that aren't evil. They're not even villains. They're just kind of, like they're monsters that are just you know like the Adipose. They're completely harmless. Yeah, I like I suppose I like that element, but at the same time, they're just kind of silly, aren't they? 
Yes, because well, yes. they're cute bits of fat, Sam. Yeah. But it's, it just it feels like minions. You know what I mean? Like they just exist to be cute. Um... Uh, maybe they're on this. Like I don't know. I don't know if the idea is that you're supposed to you're supposed to want the adipose to succeed, but you don't want Sarah Lancashire to succeed. Yeah. yeah. So you're supposed to be a bit conflicted on like, oh, do we want to stop the adipose? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's not their fault, is it? Well, I've got no hatred for the adipose. I just think they're inconsequential. You know. Okay. Um, it's referred to as parthenogenesis. Uh, I don't think that's accurate. That's not an accurate term. Okay. What would be? Well, I don't. I don't well, birth because they've been inseminated. So this is not parthenogenesis. Path, parthenogenesis is virgin birth. That's what that means. Mm. Asexual reproduction. No, no sex happens to get. No the sex. No sex happens, but they are inseminated. They are placed inside. Are they? Yeah. It's not how I, remember. I can't remember how. No, the um, the pills convert. Yeah, the, the fat, pills. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that they've been. That is the insemination. It's in the pill. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. It, obviously, it's not literally insemination because it's not semen. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, Tate isn't as annoying as she could be in this episode. Yeah, I thought that she was going to be... From what I remember, she was very similar to how she is in The Runaway Bride. Yeah. And a whole season of that would have just been exhausting. Yeah. yeah. But they do tone her down a little bit. Up until the moment that she's miming through the glass. And then I hated her again. Right, okay. Yeah, that's oh, no, that's. I like that moment. No. That's a nice moment. Oh, no, no come it's on. Annoying. No, it's not. No, it's fucking annoying. It's not. It is. No, it's funny and it's a it nice... It is. You've got, nice... Got a, you've got a nostalgic connection to this stuff. So you you're bound to find it, you know. It's charming. a nice scene though, like doing the the um the reintroduction of that character silently through that you know. No, uh, well it's nice um, that she doesn't say a word. Yeah. No, because yeah, then she's like no, because then she's she's reduced to her face. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, there's a shot, a wide shot of the Doctor alone in the TARDIS. Yes. I don't know why I found that funny. <laughs> there's something really funny about like his lone. I don't know. I just found that funny. Wide shots are funny though. They are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Yeah, these episodes, episodes like this, always feel a bit twee and cutesy. What do you mean by episodes like this? Well, with, with villains like the Adipose and uh, I, the the companion introduction episodes, I guess. How dare you you call Jadoon twee? <laughs> I just did. I'm calling Jadoon twee. No, they're not twee. Um, and then my last note on this episode is, oh, it's Rose, like I give a fuck. <laughs> <It's okay>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't give a shit. You know, I don't like Rose, so her okay. uh, presence was meant nothing to me. This is also a thumb sideways, though, because it was all right. It was okay. I didn't dislike it. I've got two alternate titles. Mm-hmm. Immaculate Conception or... Immaculate? Immaculate Conception. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. Or my favorite one, Dwellulites. That's what I would have called the Adipose. Dwellulites. Dwellulites. Like cellulite. Yeah. Fat. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So Dwellulites. Um, yes, that's that one. Uh, the Fires of Pompeii. Mm. Okay. We didn't give a synopsis for that one. We didn't. At all. All right, let's do it for the Fires of Pompeii then. Okay. Uh, I would say you can sum it up with a with a line of dialogue. Go on. Uh, they're in Pompeii and it's Volcano Day. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. Literally all you need. Yeah. Okay. So when they're walking through Rome um, and she's kind of querying, aren't they going to notice how we dress and that sort of thing? And he says, oh, it's ancient Rome, anything goes. A, I don't think I believe him, <laughs> for okay. one. I think the way they, they are, they're dressed would draw attention. And B, do they ever go anywhere where it's not just brushed off as, oh, it's London, anything goes. Oh, it, uh, it's all weird here. 
Is it ever like, what the fuck? What are you wearing? That that material doesn't exist yet. No, no. Clothing-wise, no, that's never an issue. Okay, that's a bit annoying. Yeah. yeah. As, as we get to later seasons, there are other things that are like, okay. quote-unquote, problematic. But yeah. As in race. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Peter Capaldi. Yeah. Yes. This show really has no fucking shame, does it? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? They're, they're just going to re reuse that actor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it's... I'm going to give a spoiler, but... It, okay, is a, it a plot point? It's a plot point when he's the Doctor. So he, he he's modelled after him, is he? Mm-hmm. Yes. It takes them a couple of episodes to get to it, but they do sort of try to explain. Okay, is the, but is that a function of... It, it's the thinking the wrong way around? Oh, yeah. Of, oh, yeah, absolutely, okay. right. yeah. Because yeah. they've never done okay. it before. Okay. So they are trying to sort of shove into the law like an excuse as to why they can uh, reuse Peter Quill. Do they, do they ever explain why they reuse Freema... Ajuma? Uh, Do they ever oh, yeah, we never brought that up. Uh, yes, um, they're yeah. cousins. But is that explained in the show? Yes, or did I, did it, I miss it's that? explained in Smith and Jones that she had a cousin at Canary Wharf. Okay, okay, fair enough. Well, not fair enough, but fair I enough. I wonder why they went for cousin and not twin sister. Surely twin that's the sister. obvious one. You know? Yeah, because I guess then that she'd have to be in the show because her family's in the show, so she can't have like a well, twin sister. Well, no, the twin sister. sister's dead. She died in Doomsday. Or oh, Ghosts yeah. Or whatever. Well, that, that's why then, isn't it? Because if a twin sister had died, that'd have a more more of an emotional impact on. Yeah. You couldn't just like get on with it, right? That'd have to be a big thing in the well, family. Well, no, give a bit of. There's, there's a bit of distance between Army of Ghosts and Smith and Joe. Yeah, but like still? Doomsday happens in 2006. This happened well 2007. This happens a year later. Okay, still though, like because her family are, are quite a big feature of it. Yeah. Anyway, so as with Sarah Lancashire in the last episode. Phil Davis, no! <laughs> Which one's Phil Davis? Just remind me. Uh, he plays like the evil, um, the toothy guy that's trying to oh, let yeah, the yeah, ascend. Yeah. From, yeah. Very good actor. Again, okay, it's not so much like, oh, you can do better than Doctor Who because, you know. Uh, but it's more just like, I suppose if you were going to be in that show, use them for something better than the things they were used for. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this this kind of marks the beginning of the calibre of supporting actors starting to go up in Doctor Who. Okay, yeah. Like in previous seasons, it was a case of people who were not as famous when they did the show, but now they're kind of famous. Mm-hmm. Like I think Peter Kay was probably like a big draw for the show back in series two. Yeah. Whereas yeah. now you've got um, like Peter Capaldi, who's obviously, you know, He's had a career before Doctor Who. Had, I would say, yeah. before John Sim was in it, had Life on Mars come out by that point? It had, yeah. So yeah, he w- that would have been a draw yes. in terms of name. Okay, yeah. So that would, But then again, he's playing a major character, so you would make an effort to get uh, a decent actor in that role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In terms of like supporting actors, it's like, oh, Peter Kay, that's a big deal. Whereas now I'll tell you're you getting... what, to jump forward a little bit on that point, I thought it's a bit odd that Davros isn't played by a big name. Because the big name they wanted didn't do it. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I didn't what, know that. Who, what big name did they want? They wanted Ben Kingsley. Ah, okay. Okay, that would have... Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. We'll get to it, but I feel like Julian Bleach does a pretty good job as Dan Ross. Yeah, it's not bad, but it's just... Like, I, I'd never heard of Julian Bleach. Mm. No, um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so The Fires of Pompeii is fairly disposable as an episode. Okay. The graphics have slightly improved. I noticed that. Okay. Ever so slightly. And basically, fuck Donna. He shouldn't have saved anyone. <laughs> I don't care right. about, like... Oh no, don't save the whole town, just save this fat. No, no, you, they they all have to die. That's the way this works. Okay. Um, I don't like that. I, I do like the episode, but I do agree that with the ending, if he had not saved anyone, I would have been like, no, this is legitimately showing her the harsh truth of the fucking world. Yeah, yes. that would have been a nice second episode for the companion is, okay, you can travel with me and it's going to be fun, but there's also going to be moments where it's definitively not fun. 
And this yeah. is one of those moments. And also, she's all she is before moderated his kind of uh, dark impulses. Yeah. And it'd be interesting if this time you go, no, seriously, this time I'm not being callous. I've got to leave them. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that would be interesting. Anyway, um, yeah. So my alternate title for this episode is Palava. Nice. Nice. Uh, Did you notice? I say, did you notice Karen Gillan? No, she's also in this episode. Yeah, she's also in this. (laughs) Right. Okay. So the the soothsayer that chases after them initially, the redhead soothsayer, is Karen Gillan. Oh right. But she's like dressed up and under makeup a little bit, so you can get away with that. Yeah. Well, I certainly can't get away with Peter Capaldi. You know. No. No. Anyway, so that's a thumb sideways as well. Okay. Okay. All right. Planet of the Ood. The Ood? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty good episode, this one. Yeah. I don't have any notes, ma- mainly because I guess I, I I generally liked it. Yep. Um, I like the idea of a big hangar in the snow. As you know, I have a fondness for snow-based things. Mm-hmm. Yes. I just like that idea. I like the story, you know, of the Ood sort of coming into their own. Yeah. And Does going this, rabid. Um, I, I don't know if I'm remembering correctly. Does this kind of change what the Ood are slightly? Because prior to this, we've only seen them in The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. they're totally emancipated in this episode, aren't they? They become yeah. their own, like, civilization almost. I could be misremembering. I think the idea, not the idea, but sort of one of the implications of that two-parter that they were introduced in is that they're kind of, they're sort of willing slaves. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. That it, you have got that. But what you've got is that they're willing slaves who are then being horrifically mistreated. In the Impossible Planet. Uh, no, in Planet of the Ood. They're being... Hol- well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. This kind of changes a little bit. Where they're, they're willing in the sense that they're very trusting and they, they're very subservient. But the the slavery aspect of the Ood is completely involuntary. Yeah. They've sort of been taken advantage of. Yeah, like they don't really yeah. know how to do anything else. But yeah, it, it's like their masters are abusing their privilege, I guess. Their yeah. power. Yeah. It's got Black Man with a Whip. Yep. I don't know whether that was a conscious inversion or not. <laughs> right, okay. Because obviously the, the the metaphor is they're slaves. Yes. And they, these guys, they're masters. Yeah. And one of them's got a whip and it's a black man. I just thought, oh, interesting. Yep. Okay. And I, I doubt that was an accident. No. Let's yeah. put it that way. Maybe not, yeah. That's sort of it. That's genuinely all I've got to say about Planet of the Ood. I just, I liked it, you know? Okay. Yeah, I did I did like the episode. Did you like the, the transformation? What's his face? What's the, what's the guy in this one? Tim McKinnery. Yeah, his transformation into an Ood. How do you, how do you feel about that? Uh... <laughs> Listen, oh, you know. I like it purely for the sake of the fact of they're tell- they're telling him the entire time it's hair tonic when he's very yeah. clearly not regaining any hair and he <laughs> yeah, still yeah. still buys it you know right up until he starts turning into a nude still has no idea and it's just quite happily drinking this hair tonic and actually they're just poisoning him and turning him into a nude <laughs> and he's like nude, yeah. oh shit but yeah but you've got um, this like transformation where he sort of like he sort of pulls his own skin off. Yeah, and this yeah. sort of ood sort of emerges underneath. And this is pretty like by Doctor Who standards, it's a, it's a pretty gruesome transformation. Yeah, and then he just sort of sneezes out of brain at the end. Yeah, it's like ah, oh, Doctor, which Who. is brilliant. <laughs> I do. I really like that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Really, I've I've got again two alternate titles. Mm-hmm. One of them is uh, Ood for Thought. Yep. Yeah, we're going with that. Yeah, <laughs> but the other one is it's a bit more nuanced. Uh, no booty knows the trouble I've seen because nobody knows the trouble I've seen is a slave song. Yeah. So I, th- I right. thought I'd put Ood into that. No booty. <laughs> no booty, yeah. No Nobody booty. Knows, no booty, no booty yeah. knows the trouble I've seen. Okay. The Sontaran Stratagem. So do you want to give a synopsis for this one? Oh, yeah. We didn't give one for the... Oh, there's no point. There's no fucking point now. 
It's just arbitrary. We'll do it. We'll do it from series five onwards. Okay. Uh, but this is uh, specials um, onwards. The return of the Santarans, who are classic Doctor Who villains. Uh, or for me, the introduction of the Santarans. Yeah, I suppose so. Yes. Um, yes. How did you find the Santarans, Sam? Oh, they're funny, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> they are funny. They're, they're silly, but I like them. They're noble yeah, warriors. <laughs> yeah. It's a really nice contrast, actually, the fact that they're these, like, warrior-bound, they're all about, like, honour and fury and, the you know, battle in their hearts, but they're just, like, three foot tall. They're tiny yeah. and kind of pathetic. Yeah, it was kind of, it was sort of the right tomba of silly for me. Again, like, sometimes Doctor Who is, is kind of ridiculous, but it hits a level with which I'm comfortable. Yeah. yeah. And that, yeah, that the fact that they're tiny and they look like that, but they are this, I guess, intimidating force. Yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, you know, all right, I suppose. Well, before they demask, they look like Power Rangers villains. Yeah. <laughs> they do, yeah. they really do. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a really good line that I like. Uh, Words are the weapons of women folk. I really like that line. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's funny. So at the, be- at the beginning when they salute the doctor, he's like, nah, none of that. And then Donna's like, I'll have a salute. Wind your neck and you horrible woman. Why, why would they salute you? You haven't fucking done anything yet. Well, she's a companion of the, of the Doctor. That's in, probably in, good yeah, enough. Yeah, there's woman. a better uh, companion in the episode. Yes, there is. Oh, yeah, this is the return of Martha as well. It is, yeah. Which was like my, my, my young... I don't remember how old I was when this episode aired. But the fact that they brought back an old companion is like, you can't do that. I mean, by this point, you'd already seen Rose Tyler in episode one. Yeah, but... Yes, we have. I don't know, it would probably lead to, um, like, you know, the series will happen and then it'll lead to Rose or something. But the fact that Martha is just in the episode. like In the you episode, can't see that. Yeah. This is uh, Donna's Yeah, thing. yeah. Uh, it's, at this point, I was thinking, this, it was definitely weaker than series three. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't think anyone would begrudge you for, yeah. for no. saying that. It was the first time the idea of a double episode wasn't repellent. Usually when I get to an e- the end of an episode and it's clear that it's two-part, I'm like, oh... I wanted you to wrap up, you know? Um, yeah. But this is the first. I was like, okay, all right, I'll have another one. Yeah, this this episode's a thumbs up. Okay. Uh, my alternate title is Mini Eggs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, see, I'm a fan of the Sontar, and I, I want to write an episode where they come back. Okay. Come back as... Um, as as villains, villains, you mean? Yeah. yeah. The lead guy's from The Young Ones, isn't he? Is he? Is he? The lead Sontaran. Yeah, he's, he's one of the guys in The Young Ones. Uh, which one? Mike... The, the cool one. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, okay, so the Poison Sky, which is the second yes. part. Yes. I I like that they're just blatantly misogynistic. <laughs> <laughs> There's no bones about it. They're like clearly like a masculine class, you know, like a male warrior class. Yeah. Because there's a few little lines about, uh, like, oh, that was good for a woman or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ryan Sampson's quite annoying in the episode. Maybe he's meant to be. I don't know. Is but... he the American kid? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's another case of um, Doctor Who American accents-itis. Yeah. Whatever you call it's it. It's very American. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. He's a school shooter and waiting on that character. <laughs> like, if he, if he... I'm smarter than you. I'm telling you. I'm clever. I'm cleverer than you. If he hadn't been become embroiled with the Sontarans, he would have shot up a school. I'm right. telling you that right now. Okay. So, yeah, obviously, this is when the, the Sontarans advance and there are big gunfights and everything. So, despite their warrior status, right, as we said, the Sontarans are goofy. So, when they're being, like, mowed down, it's a bit disconcerting. <laughs> when they're just being hit, shot down in a hail of machine gun bullets, like, uh, I thought they were, like, cute 
playful little <laughs> like generals. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about right, that. Right, it's okay. That's interesting that you feel that way. Yeah, I, I don't like Doctor Who when it gets actiony. Okay. Or when it gets too actiony. Like, I think, he's, is it in this episode he says, if I see one more gun, I swear to God. Or yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I don't, I don't want machine guns in Doctor Who. I want other, th- you know, I want concepts. Yeah. I don't want gunfights. <laughs> I'm like a Buddhist. I don't want con. I don't want concepts. I don't want gunfights. Uh, imagine all the people. Yeah, it's okay. It's an okay episode. I prefer the first part. Yep. But it's all right. But then, of course, at the end, he turned out not to be a school shooter. He turned out to be a suicide bomber. <laughs> I mean, both are nihilistic impulses, sure. But um, yeah. thumbs sideways to that episode. Okay. And my alternate title for that is boiled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> not potato. Uh, it's because I had mini eggs, so I had to okay. kind of pay it off. But You're yeah. aware of that, though. I think we, I don't know if we mentioned before that, like the um, the colloquial name for the centaurans are potato heads. They look I think like someone calls them a potato in the episode. Yeah, at yeah, some yeah. Point. yeah. Uh, right, the doctor's daughter. Yes. She so, you know, when she's first created, mm-hmm. and she emerges from the whatever it is. What's up with that guitar music? It's like a new, 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 it just like surges. Yeah, just, oh, I don't like because that. it's because it's the doctor's daughter, and it's like, oh my god, you know. It's now the now the doctor's wife. Yes. What? It, it, in real David life, Tennant's married that's to that who David Tennant's married to. He, that David Tennant's married to her. Yes. Yeah. He did all right. Fair play. <laughs> <laughs> that that is. Um, I gotta say, that's Peter I gotta say, daughter. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. And David Tennant. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. 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 <laughs> They've already talked about this. Okay. Don't worry. All right. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, it was a weirdly, in, in the episode that occurred to me, right? God, obviously, she's not his daughter-daughter, is she? But she's... No, I remember feeling short-changed when the, the episode first aired, and it's not literally the top's yeah. daughter. Because he did have a daughter, right? I mean, that is kind of brought up in the episode, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it genuinely occurred to me, because she is very attractive, <laughs> that when they were acting together, I was like, I wonder if they fucked. That, that genuinely occurred to me. Oh, right. Because like, she's meant to be his daughter, but I wonder if they got it off, you know? Yeah. Um, well, that's he, that's he, weird. He married her, so he married her. Yeah. <laughs> they probably yeah. did. Well, okay, they've fair got enough. Kids, yeah, so I'm well, going to assume they did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That's that's my first note. Is his daughter's fit? Um, <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, I've got yeah. I'm with the doctor. I'm sick of guns because there's a lot of guns in this episode as well. Yeah. yeah. I love the utter contempt for pacifism <laughs> the soldiers have. Like, is it? Oh, there was an outbreak of pacifism on this planet once. I was like, I like that. An outbreak of pacifism. <laughs> like, it's a disease. Yeah. yeah. When <laughs> Martha's fish friend dies and she's sobbing for him, that was a bit no. Yeah. Right. I was just like, would you sob over? You know what I mean? It, it, it felt a bit unearned. The, the hat, and also, the acting's it? a bit hat, yeah. dodgy as well. Yeah, I don't, I got you. I don't like combat stories. Like, I prefer conceptual ones. Okay. I like the idea of. Um the generational gap is so short. Yeah. The actual length of the war has been completely thrown out of proportion. They think, I like that. Yeah. They think this is a war that's been lasting for like generations and generations and generations. And technically it has, but it's only like eight days they've been fighting or something. Yeah. 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 That's a really nice idea. I think the episode around it is a bit weak from what I remember. Yes, it is a bit. I, I like that idea in the sense of, um, I get it's real world analog, I guess, mm. which I suppose would be, fighting and not really knowing the history of it and why you're doing it. Yes. And this complete kind of misunderstanding of, yeah, how long it's been going on, the yeah, reasons yeah, exactly. for it, you know. Exactly. I like that. It's qu- it's quite a good ending. It's a decent dish ending. I'll tell you what, considering that er- early on in the episode, he says, like, I've had a family. That part of me is dead now. I just can't do that anymore. Mm. He doesn't half get over that quickly. 
I gotta say. <laughs> yeah. Like enough so that we can have an emotional ending where she's dying. Yeah. Um, I like the design of the hat. Yeah. I quite like that. Yeah. I think they're pretty cool. Uh, thumbs up, I suppose. But yeah, it's it's not the best episode. It's not. Yeah. It. it, it I will say it's not. A, it's not a spoiler, really. But the one thing I will say is that ending where she goes off and travels. Yeah. Yeah. You will never see her again. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is surprising. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think. I think they've done audiobooks with her. Okay. Yes. So I think that's what yeah, happens with Doctor done. Who. They have a lot of like uh, moments where it feels like they're setting up like side stories or side adventures with side characters that never come to fruition. And then Big Finish Audio will sort of pick up the slack a little bit. Yes. Uh, okay. But yeah, that feels like the one of the biggest missed opportunities is yeah, well, given seeing how her the, again. The series ends, I think there was anticipation she was going to show up in that. 100%. Yeah. 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 So my alternate titles for this episode, uh, Green Around the Gills, that's hey, one. Yeah. Yeah. But my favourite one, uh, Jenny from the Dock. Jenny from the Dock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I really like that. <laughs> uh, the Unicorn and the Wasp. Yes. Okay, so this led to me coining a term for Sam's Lexicorner. <gasps> Do we have a Sam's Lexicorner? So we have a Sam's We haven't had one for the last couple of episodes. We haven't. This is exciting stuff. <laughs> Okay, so time for another installment of Sam's Lexicorner. Samuel. Words. Phrases. Sam's Lexicorner. Um, okay, so this is quite difficult to describe, and it, it might be contained within the realms of sci-fi fantasy television. But for instance, we've alluded to it before in episodes of Doctor Who where they go back to Shakespearean times or back to Dickensian times. And then the events of the episode correspond with the output of the literary figure they're depicting. Okay. So if you're going back to an episode of Charles Dickens, the fact there are ghosts on Christmas Eve or going back to Shakespeare and there are witches, you know, where the character of the author is incorporating the events of the episode into their later works. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Is this exclusive to authors or could it be any artist? It could be any artist. It could be yeah, anything like that okay. where you, you see it sometimes in biopics about writers where you're seeing how they got their ideas yeah. from the... Yeah. I'm calling that... Uh, so, for instance, in this episode... I'm going to blue ball you a bit further. No. In this episode, um, it's an Agatha Christie set one. So it's a murder mystery in which Agatha Christie is a character. Yes. And the fact that her writing is similar to the plot of the episode is actually meta-incorporated into the concept of the episode. Okay. So I'm going to call that the troposphere. Oh, okay. Okay? So not the troposphere, the troposphere. Troposphere. So how yes. would you use that in a sentence? Would you say, oh, this episode has tropospheric writing? So this has this occupies the, the Agatha Christie troposphere. Okay. Or the Shakespeare. Yeah, but you could use it like that as well, obviously. Okay. Right. Troposphere. Samuel. Words. Phrases. Sam's lexicon. Hang on, let me eat a minstrel. <laughs> I've been staring into the bag. <laughs> <laughs> lusting over minstrels <laughs> okay we good okay okay so they draw attention to it obviously in this episode to the troposphere except it's part of the plot the fact that her writing is kind of fused magically with like the dna i can't exactly remember the mechanics. is the monster it. imprinting itself on an agatha christie book it, it, Was well that the idea? so someone is reading an agatha christie book 
when she like psychically connects with someone else and so the kind of form of the book she's reading is imprinted onto this consciousness i see okay. and so the events of the episode kind of spiral out for, yeah it's it's a weird and i, I guess i kind of like where it's coming from but it did feel a bit too they were doing a lot of work to root the genre in a sci-fi context okay I don't think there was no there was any need for that level of contrivance. Do you know what I mean? Okay. We could have just had oh, it's like the Christie episode, you know, where the the events of the episode reflect the work the events of her book. They've already done that with Shakespeare, though, haven't they? So I don't know whether this was like um, I guess a, yeah, like forced escalation. Like oh, we have to one up ourselves. We have to actually make it part of the. Story. I guess yeah, but it felt like they, them trying to justify it when it was like you don't you didn't need to. Like I could have it's Doctor Who. I could have lived with. It just happens that she's involved in a murder mystery. Do you okay. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It would yeah. almost have made sense. I mean, I I would say I do like the episode, but it would it would have almost made sense if like one of the reasons why she did her writing is that it just so happens that in her actual life she ends up involved. Like if that yes, was- but obviously they they are trying to the fundamental core around which the episode orbits is the fact that Agatha Christie uh, vanished, yes. and they're trying to answer that question. Problem is, by that point, she'd already written a bunch of books. And so they couldn't uh, kind of root it in a Genesis kind of myth. Um, there's a charade sequence. I yes, can't remember exactly. Yeah. They need to bin, they got to bin the silliness. Oh, I like that. They've got to bin the silliness. No, I like it's that just scene. Enough of it. I'm just, nah, I don't, I don't like, I don't like that. It's like one of the, one of the very few things that episode I like is that charade sequence. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just like the, um, um, when she says, um, Harvey Wallbanger. I just like the the reaction from the doctor. Yeah. It's like, what the hell is... Like, why did you go there, you know? I recently happened to... Because I've been re-watching Screenwipe. And one of the episodes, he talks about Doctor Who, but I think it was going from Series 2 to Series 3. Okay. And he was saying, I really like it, but here's what they've got to change, as far as he was concerned. Yeah. And one of them was that you got to bin... And they used the example of him pretending to be the Ghostbuster, like, doing the little dance thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's like, you got to bin that, the campy stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. I wouldn't say bin it outright, but yeah, it shouldn't be used as a crutch i'm not saying it's being used as a crutch but the moments where it's sort of like oh we have like a couple of minutes let's be silly it's like ah no we don't need this yeah or this this doesn't feel like we can do better than this you know yeah yeah the series is definitely significantly less vital Mm -hmm. it feels less vital than the last one interesting well yeah it's interesting because this is i know that we got a couple of specials to watch but this is technically the finale of the russell t davis era isn't it yeah it's a shame really yeah I mean, yes, I I like murder mysteries. I like like Knives Out. I like that sort of thing. Yeah. So I had that going for it for me. And it is quite clever. It's quite cleverly written. So I'm going to, I give it a thumbs up, but it's kind of a qualified thumbs up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The thing that bugged me most about it was, so they, they kind of answer the mystery of her disappearance, mm-hmm. which in real, in real life, it seems pretty straightforward. Incidentally, it's not like Amelia Earhart or something. It's like, we know she, she got cheated on and went a bit potty. Yeah. That, like that's why. Well, yeah. Which is fine, like, she gets her memory erased, like, that. okay, fine, then she disappears. But then they backtrack to suggest that details still slip through, like, with death on the clouds involving a wasp and everything. Mm. It's like, you can't do that. You can't say this is why she disappeared, but then also say, ah, but still, it manifested in her work. I didn't like that. It felt a bit, yeah. yeah. No, that's fair enough. So I got two alternate titles for this one. One of them is Wasps, which is, obviously, you've got the wasps, but then wasps is white anglo-saxon protestants and you know they're wasps wasp starling oh, okay. rich people mm-hmm. yeah or more um uh, <laughs> more uh what's the what's the right word here elementarily i suppose uh hudo <laughs> right okay 
Okay. So silence in the library. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're back to Moffat. Yes. So he did uh, Blink. What else did he do? The Empty Child and the Doctor dances and the girl in the fireplace. He did one every did, series, okay. basically. Yeah, he's good, isn't he? He is. Yeah, he's, he's at doing those single episodes. He's really good. Yeah. Okay, so again, uh, this is my minute-by-minute minute accounting of the experience of that episode. So as things are being explained, these notes make less sense, but nevertheless. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so first is obviously this little girl, and she's got like a mind palace, but it's a mind library. It's got, if she's got this lucid dreaming, she's going to be a nightmare in her teens and 20s. <laughs> <laughs> she's not going to leave her room. No. Um, I've got, there's yawn rape, then there's dream rape. The doctor and Donna dream rape that child. Right. <laughs> okay. okay, but that's... There you go the again, best. Sam, ruining the magic. That's, that's in jest. Um, a library planet. I like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like the idea of a library planet. I think that's a cool idea. Yeah. Um, I want to be on that planet. Okay. Um, what the fuck's up with those nodes? Yeah. Oh, the people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the rock people. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Does it get explained? It does get explained, right? Oh, yeah. We know, like, what they are. But, you know, they, they look like um, those things you get on the beach where you put your face through the cardboard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a bit wacky. Yeah. Okay. Um, is Morfat... He seems obsessed with traumatizing children. Because <laughs> you've got the... Okay, the girl in the fireplace is pretty out there, but then... You've got the empty child, which obviously is our children. Yeah. It is children. Mm-hmm. Then you've got, you, you should be afraid of statues. This one is, you should be afraid of the dark. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this one says. <laughs> um, I quite like his obsession with tormenting uh, the young. Right. I like that. <laughs> I, I get it. I get the, you know, budget considerations and all, but when it became constrained to the single room, it started losing me a little bit. Okay. It's like, I want them out in the library, you know, out yeah, in this yeah, world. Yeah. <laughs> And they've got you know, this seeding hope that Donna will die, but I suspect she won't. Right, okay. Uh, but obviously that pays off at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, Moffat definitely seems to be into more like insidious creeping threats, which I quite mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Of like, it's the shadows, you know, and oh, all of a sudden there's another shadow. I like yes. that. Yeah. Like and I said, he's, his, um, when he's like working to his best, like he's really good with villain ideas. Yeah. Not yes. just a design for a villain or like a, like a concept for a villain, but sort of how the villain operates as well. He's also very good at that. Like the fact that the Weeping Angels, the fact they become statues is a defense mechanism so they can't be killed. Yeah. And like the the sort of like what the Vashta Narada, Nevada, not Nevada, what are they called? Vashta Narada. Narada. Okay. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, how they operate and all that sort of stuff. He's very good at that. Very, very good at that. Yeah. Um, obviously, I was also okay with this being a two-parter. Yep. Uh, I didn't think it would be because, oh, it's Moffat. It's just going to be one great episode, but um, obviously it was a two-parter. Obviously, thumbs up. Yep. Um, yep. My alternate titles for this one are uh, Shadowbound, and that's clever because books are bound, so that's one. <laughs> Thank and, you for explaining why it was clever, Sam. Yeah, it's all right. But then my favourite one, Shadows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, so then Forest of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah, his episodes seem to be... He really likes playing around with time, doesn't he? And placement therein. Yes. Uh, that's what I really like about his episodes, is that they, they really explore time you know not just oh they go to a different point in time but it things pay off later in the episode and there's a circularity yeah to the time and... travel isn't just a tool to get them to the location of the story it's part of the narrative yes yeah and a show like doctor who that's one of the the fact that you can use the premise of the show like that mm. again is yeah. one of his strengths yeah we'll say you've introduced river song now and i do really like the fact that they know each other, but they meet in Yeah, the wrong I think way. that's yeah. brilliant. It's sort of like... Um, Stuff like that. In, uh, I think it was Star Trek Discovery, wasn't it? There's like a shot in the first episode where two ships meet each other, but they're not like on the same plane. 
Right. Like one of them is sort of like upside down and sort of at a different angle. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, if you're in space, ships would never be flat against each other. Mm. And like if you if you're in a universe with another time traveler, you would never meet each other in like linear order, would you? Yeah. You would you would meet each other out of order. So that's a really yeah. nice idea. Yeah. He's re- yeah, he's really good at paying things off. Mm. I like the idea of spores in books. I think that's a really cool idea. Like you get it from trees and then they're in the books. I think that's yeah. I like that a lot. There's one line that and this is possibly kind of a tacit uh, self-aggrandizement. But there's one line that really hit home, and that was when uh, the the woman says to Donna, I have the two qualities you need to see absolute truth. I am brilliant and unloved. Like, oh, that's good. That's, <laughs> I like that a lot. That's really good. Um, it lacks the kind of the cleanness of Blink, mm-hmm. but it's still like solidly ambitious, respectable Is that just the effort. virtue of the fact that it's a two-parter rather than a single contained um, entity? It, partly, but it's, it's, it's not messy, but it's a bit messy. Like when Blink starts paying off, everything's very, oh yes, oh yes. And it just kind of, everything follows on. Yeah. This is a bit more muddled, mm, okay, but but not really, you know, not massively. Yeah, yeah. it's not as good as Blink, no. but nothing is. No, yet. yeah, in the Russell T Davis era, because that's all we're talking about at the moment. Yeah, but yeah, in this era of the show, Blink is his magnum opus, definitely. Yes, yeah, hundred percent. I don't know if this was deliberate, but there's a obviously it's the robots. And there's a Cal, as in like Hal and the Dave. I don't know whether that was deliberate or not. Uh, maybe, yeah. I I I I would believe that that's deliberate. Yeah, um, like I said, great payoff. It's the best of the season, I would say. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because the next episode, I think, would probably be considered by a lot of people to be the best episode of the season. Would it? Yes. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll get to that in a sec. Okay. Uh, yeah, thumbs up, obviously. So, my, I've got loads of alternate titles for this one. I, I found this one really difficult to come up with a good alternate title for. Okay. So, just because the first one was called The, the Idea Was Shadowbound, I've got Moonbound here because, obviously... Mr. Dr. Moon is the guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but yeah. I don't like that. So I've got a series of river puns, okay? Okay. <laughs> so bear with me. So I've got River in the Forest. Yeah. That's the first one. I've got River Phoenix, right? Okay. I've got Die Me a River. <laughs> I've got Wi-Fi Me a River. But then my favorite one by far, uh, The Matrix Revolutions. <laughs> the Matrix Revolutions. <laughs> That's my favourite one. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Okay. Okay, so Midnight. Yes. yes. Bottle episode, obviously. Donna Light episode. No Donna to be Donna seen. Light, that's always good. I like I, I like the idea of it. Again, that's it's more of a creeping threat, isn't it? Of something that start like overtaking your language. Yeah, like you that. could be forgiven for thinking that this was a mo- that this was a Moffat idea in a way, yeah. couldn't you? Yeah, it definitely. Really it was one of those episodes <sighs> halfway through it was it was feeling a bit disposable to me of like oh I get it, a bottle episode the cutting costs it's a decent idea but like it's not going to be remembered you know okay it got better the, the like the more it went yes. on yeah um the doctor is too quick to pacifism sometimes right he's too quick to say no we can't do anything it's like no yeah fuck her off get her out of <laughs> the ship as far as I'm concerned um. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, I think the reason maybe that it sticks with a lot of people is the ending. And I like the ending a lot. And I, and I mean the very ending now. When he's talking with Donna and then she repeats him and he's like, hey, don't do that. Yeah. yeah. Don't. And he, he seems genuinely traumatized by it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I like that a lot. Like, and again, I said I'm not a fan of when the Doctor gets particularly serious, but I like that moment. And I love as well that um, even to this day, we know nothing about the Midnight Entity. We don't know what yes, it is. I, we don't know what it looks like. We know literally nothing about it. I've got that. I like that it's unresolved. It's totally unresolved. Yeah. It's there. It's gone. They never have any explanation for yeah. it. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, that's sort of all I got to say, really. It's a very good episode. I guess I prefer its precedent just because of its ambition. It feels like a, it's a big story, you know, that executed really well. And I like this a lot. It's, yeah, it, for me, it wasn't as good as Forest of the Dead. Yeah. I think it stands out, though, because it is such a small episode. Like, compared yes. to the the action-heavy two-parts of, like, the Suntaran episodes and the fact that you said that, like, the previous episode, the previous story feels quite grand in scale. And now we just have yeah. this tiny little character piece, almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say, what do you think of David Tennant's performance in this episode? Do you feel like it was any better than the stuff around it? I can't say it stood out to me. Okay. I mean, like, one of the things with Tennant's performance in general is he's just there for me. And that's not a, that's a completely neutral comment. I, he's he's obviously not bad, yeah. But he's so like just in the role at this point. I don't really notice him. Yeah, yeah. I can't say that it, it particularly stood out for me. But yeah, I guess it's good. Okay, you know. I don't know if it's any better myself. I just wonder if it's because uh, there's such a focus on it this episode because mm. it is like it's all in the performances. The what's the name of the woman? The one who gets infected. <sighs> what's her real name? I don't know. She's in the full Monty. Okay, she's a good northern actress. But yeah, I can't remember her name okay. at the moment. Well, I mean, everyone is good in that episode, but it's her and David Tennant, isn't it? They're carrying that episode. Yeah. Um, my alternate title for that is Paranoia. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> it's a weaker one, but yeah, there's not this much might to go be on, in, on this one. One of the few instances where I, I would want to stick with the original title. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the, I'm do, I, at some points I'm doing it for the sake of it, not necessarily because they're better than the um, actual titles. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, par- I mean, this episode is about paranoia. That's what it's about. Oh, yeah. The midnight concept aside, it's clearly just about people turning on each other, you know? Yes. And it does that well. I don't remember there being any instance where it feels like, oh, at this point, this character would feel this, so let's jump to that moment. It does feel no. natural the way the characters yeah. get to where they get to. It does unfold organically, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. And you know yeah. that if this was done more recently, that episode probably would have been one take as well. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thumbs up. Yeah. Turn left. Now, last one had no Donna. This one has no uh, no Doctor. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> How did you feel about that, Sam? Well, I'm assuming this is also a, a well-regarded episode. Do you know what? I genuinely don't know. Okay. It's got Billy Piper in it, probably. <laughs> well, also, it's it's pretty out there, you know? And, yeah. and it is, again, it's jumping with... I, I gotta say, I, I feel do- sorry for Donna in one respect. She keeps having these, like, entire lives that aren't real. It's <laughs> like in... In the library episode, she ends up, like, having these kids and everything. like, you know, none of this is real, right? Yeah. She keeps having these fucking, like... (laughs) Anyway, uh, so at the beginning, they they are in what looks like China. It's obviously not. It's another planet. Yeah. But at first, I thought they were in China. And then uh, when she's talking to the fortune teller, she says, oh, I'm from a planet called Earth. I was like, whoa. (laughs) Like, racist. (laughs) Uh, When they're at the... So when she is thrust into her alternate reality... When she's at like that office party or whatever, and they all rush outside, it's a Christmas style, and they all run outside to see. It's like, how old are you? Yeah, you're you're fully grown adult. You're not gonna like sprint outside to see a star. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh fuck off, it's cold. <laughs> I'm another beer with my Jägermeister. The, the alcoholics of this country would not just go outside for a star unless they were all going out for a collective fag. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the idea of a Doctor Light episode. But not when the fucking companion is Donna. <laughs> right. Because okay. she's, oh, it's just that delivery she does. Like, I've got here Beatrice. I guess that was the highlight of me. Beatrice! You know, that stupid fucking face that she pulls. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't abide Donna. Okay. I don't know if this is deliberate. Uh, is there, is it a Threads reference in this episode? A what reference? Okay, so there's a film from the 80s, a TV film called Threads, right? And it was 
broadcast at the height of the Cold War. And it's become infamous because it traumatized loads of kids who saw it. Because it basically depicted what would happen if a nuclear bomb went off in England. Right, okay. And uh, it's like quite an infamous TV movie that was shown once and like never shown again. Okay. And there's a famous image of a mushroom cloud in the distance. And um, like, the, it, it's horrible. Like even now, like people seeing it going, they've done it. They've actually gone and fucking done it. And like a woman like pissing herself. And then you see like, um, like things just completely being destroyed in fire. And it's like horrible. And I think, I know it's a, mush- a mushroom cloud, is a mushroom cloud, but the particular way it's framed and looks looks exactly like the mushroom cloud from threads okay so i don't know whether that was a reference or not it could be it could very well be yeah but i don't know if that's just like i feel like you could arrive at that image without knowing that threads exists yeah absolutely it's it's a bit of a tenuous connection the only argument would be like threads it's not that like it's fairly obscure but it's one of those things that people in tv all seem to know about it you know like yeah this is the thing they saw as a kid okay Um, it's a nice connection if it is a real connection Mm. yeah because um, obviously this it presents like a sort of dystopian image as well, doesn't it? Which threads, obviously. Yes. Yeah, this is a world without the Doctor and the world just falls to ruin, basically. Like every Earth story that's happened since uh, the Runaway Brides, uh, the villains win. So Earth just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she calls the Italian dude Mussolini. Would that be acceptable now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If he's, if he's Italian, then maybe. Yeah. Do it. Uh, do, uh, uh, can you not be racist to an Italian? Is because there are certain ones you can and you can't. I guess. Right? Well, they are olive skinned, aren't they? So they're sort of not white. Yeah. But I don't know. Um. Okay. Something needs to be explained to me about the TARDIS. Okay. Does it take him where he's needed? Is that the idea of the TARDIS? Yes. Because right, all the threats to Earth that manifest in the episode, you know, that he didn't stop. Did he go, end up at those locations in time incidentally, or was he taken there because he was needed? Because it's a hell of a coincidence if he just happened to be at, in all yes. these locations. Yeah, I think the going theory is that the TARDIS takes him where he needs okay, to go. Okay, then I can live with it, because what are the threats that are manifest in this episode that he didn't well, stop? Well, there's the... Um, oh, God. Well, the Christmas star, the web star. Yeah, the, yeah, the Rachnos. Yeah. Well, no, because yeah. no, that happens... The only difference there is the Donald doesn't stop, doesn't stop oh, the yes. so the doctor Sorry, dies. yeah, so he dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah. After that, it's... Is it Voyage of the Dam next? Yes, the Titanic crashes into Buckingham Palace. Yeah. yeah. Then it's... You get um, the Adipose. The Adipose. Yeah. Then it's the Suntarans. Yeah. I think that's it, right? Okay. Yeah, so it would be a bit of a damn coincidence, wouldn't it, if he just had, like, the three threats that would have fucked things up royally for Earth. Yeah. He happened to... But if, if he's taken where he's needed, all right, like, I'll... I can live with mm, that. Okay, all right. Okay, so you talked earlier about the idea of Donna and um, the function of the companion in relation to the Doctor. Yeah. And I quite like that what this episode is sort of saying is that what the companions offer is that they moderate the Doctor's worst impulses and in doing so, they're saving his life. Yes. That's why they need it. I like that. It's like, oh, right, okay, I now see your value. Mm, you know? Okay. Is is that a um like a thing that for all the companions, or is that just something that Donna offers? I, I the argument could definitely be made that that's what Donna offers, but it feels like oh yeah, I guess that's what the companions do is that they restrain him, right? They bring humanity to when he when he's lacking a bit of it, they offer an extra dose. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely something they do. I think yeah. I think the other thing they definitely do as well, which I've already alluded to, is that. The Doctor will save people's lives, but the companions will make sure that the people are okay, if that makes sense. Yes. Like, they kind of offer that human empathy in the moments that the Doctor just can't. Yeah, and I like 
that it's not just uh, their kind of a voice of mediation for the for the, the audience's sake almost. I like that they're saying it's vital because if they don't do that, he'll die, yes. which is basically what this episode is saying. Yeah. Um. I you know I like the idea of the internment camps and all that sort of thing. If a bit. Yeah. yeah, I'm um, surprised how dark it goes. Like they basically yeah. just bring back uh, concentration camps, which which obviously is a bit out there. But hey, it's a dystopian idea. I get it. But I I don't like that they actually have Bernard Cribbin saying it's happening again. <laughs> he actually says it's happening again. Yeah, I thought that was a bit on the nose. Oh, how do we feel? Um, we haven't mentioned him at all. How do we feel about Bernard Cribbins? He's alright, isn't he? Yeah, he's fine. I, he doesn't I like, really. I like Bernard Cribbins. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, he's all right. I like his little. It's them aliens again. Like his whole like yeah. shtick, you know. And I like he's a go on love because that. To be fair, that is what grandparents do. The idea of being a grandparent is that your parent disciplines you, but your grandparent isn't in for all that shit. They discipline their children. Now they're going to spoil you. Yes, and corrupt you and let you do whatever the fuck. I you think want. that really works. So I like yeah. that her mother is like because um, I think originally Donna's father was supposed to occupy that role, right? But the actor who played him didn't finish filming because I think he died. Okay. Um, so Bernard, they, Bernard Cribbins was never originally going to be Donna's grandfather, but they sort of retrofitted it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that really works. Yeah. I like that. Makes sense to me. He's like, yeah, oh, go on, love. Yeah. Fuck off the internet. Don't listen to your mother. Yeah. I like that. Russell um, T. Davis doesn't like mothers, does he? No. No, he definitely has a problem. I mean, Jackie Tyler, he has a fondness for, clearly, but. Yeah. But like Martha's mother didn't he was a sour-faced bitch exactly yeah but you could write that off as like oh you know you still need someone who's kind of opposed to the doctor but when it's like yeah all three major companions all of their mothers hate the doctor it is yeah. a bit like all right what's what's happened there russell what's what's going on yeah and none with parents that are together either mm. oh yeah 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 but yeah I, i'm sorry I, I just i really don't like Catherine tate the, the moment where she's uh sobbing you know when she has to go back and all i was like oh i just that it was bad acting, frankly. Right when she's trying, when she's pleading with Rose, it's just not well acted. Rose has had some work done, hasn't she? Yeah, she has. <laughs> yeah, you can tell. Yeah, it's really distracting. Yeah, um, it's a, I, it's a pretty good title. I quite like the title "Turn Left," mm. but obviously, I come up with alternatives anyway. My two alternates are uh, "Misfortune" and uh, "Donalog." <laughs> My two. Donalog. Okay. All yeah. Right. Mm. Um, yeah. No, I I do like the episode. I like. I think I like it more than I like the idea more than the execution. It's another one of those. Yeah, yeah. It's a great idea of doing a companion light episode where it's kind of like an alternate. You know, oh, what if the doctor doctor light? Doctor. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Companion heavy. I meant to say. Yes. Uh, where the doctor's dead and it's showing like the world af- if he was never there to save it and all that sort of stuff. Like people who we've met up until this point are just dying left, right, and center. Like Martha mm-hmm. dies, Torchwood dies. Like all these different people are just dead. Uh-huh. Um, the monster's pretty shit. It's basically just a giant rubber dung beetle stuck on her back. Oh, okay. It? Yeah, it's a, it's a giant cockroach. But that's another. That's a that's another really cool idea. The fact that there's something that sort of latched itself onto you that other people no one can see it but they can sort of sense that something's there i guess yeah i don't know i guess just, i never really thought of that of it being a monster it felt more like the um the premise is the monster yeah. you know that's fine but i feel like this you could have done the better creature design than just like a bug yeah especially okay. since at the end the doctor's kind of analyzing it and he says like oh it's a member of the the trickster gang implying that this creature has like enough sentience and intelligence to be part of a gang it's not just yeah. the mindless creature that eats on that eats time. Well, also, also you know? it would presume being a random species from a random would presumably have a completely it's it's 
entirely alien fauna, mm. so its physiology would be totally different. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like fauna. It, it, it No, it feels like fauna during the episode, but then at the end, the Doctor says, like, oh, it's part of the Trickster gang. That feels like it's elevating it above fauna, but the design is pure fauna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of my yeah. one major gripe with the episode, is just the, the creature. If it was a better... If it was, like, a genuinely, like uncomfortable or sort of disturbing design that that creature had i think the episode quality would go way up i guess is the idea because people are seeing it aren't they sort of peripherally almost well not not, they're not seeing it they're just kind of sensing that there's something on her back they don't know what it is that's what's scary about it doesn't someone say though you got like a bug on your back or something i don't think they say bug okay all right fair enough yeah um yeah thumbs up you know it's it's a it's a good idea so the stolen earth yes yes Fuck off, Rose. That's my first note. <laughs> Rose is coming back. Isn't that a good thing? No. Okay. You know how I feel about Rose. Um, they got Richard Dawkins in. They did. <laughs> they pulled him in for a little cameo. They're all right. Okay. I, I like his... I, I think it would have been more interesting if they'd had him on to be wrong, but that he, he accurately says what it is. Like, no, we have moved to them. They haven't moved to us. It's like, right. no, have him be wrong. I, I like the idea of getting in an expert who's wrong, you know? Okay. I like, though, the obviously the planet Earth moves to be adjacent to these 27 other planets. Yeah. And then news like, you know, the UN is uh, urging people to to remain calm and don't panic. You're having a laugh. <laughs> this, isn't like, this isn't like a virus or anything else. Like, there are now 27 planets in the atmosphere, basically. Yeah. Like, does he don't panic? Um, but then there's Ponty. Ponty's in it. Yeah, Ponty's in it, yeah. <laughs> is this the only episode they filmed in Ponty? No, they've done loads in Ponty. Okay. First time I've noticed, anyway. Yeah, okay. PC Wales. They're going to. Yeah, yeah. PC the, Wales, the, right? the computer shop where I get my computer <laughs> yeah. fixed is yeah, featured yeah. in there. I'm like, ah, oh, there you are. Hello. Yeah. Have you have you been there, Eddie? It's like up by the market, basically. It's where um when Ro- people are looting and Rose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That shop is where we get our computer fixed. Yeah. There's a there's a cafe opposite called the Crazy Croissant that's yes. featured in the episode as well. Yeah. You see it in the background. <laughs> anyway. I, I know that obviously there are specials following this but it makes it does make sense to wrap up Tenant's tenure by kind of involving everyone yes. in like a victory lap yeah this this is definitely the big finale it's better to think of this as like the big finale and then the subsequent specials are just kind of the epilogue of his era yeah it's definitely a greatest hits episode yeah, yeah. which is both what's good and what's bad about it I think yeah because yes. it does it does reach a point where it is literally just oh such and such is back oh such and such is back well I'll quickly jump forward to a note from ep- the next episode and that he, he says at the beginning we're not doing the nostalgia tour like yeah you are yeah. that's exactly what you're yeah. doing but I don't know whether um, that's supposed to end that's supposed to be a statement of like right we're done with the nostalgia now the episode's gonna happen I guess I, I don't know because everyone's been introduced by that point I think even Davros has been I think so yeah yeah so this throughout the season the recurring idea motif has been bees disappearing right yes that's been like the yeah I can't say it was a I mean this is what I thought it was it's called colony collapse disorder it's a thing I weirdly read up on it recently for some reason okay but yeah I suspected that this was the reason or like something like this do you know what, what I mean the, the Daleks were coming back no no but like the, the the earth was under imminent threat because all the bees are fucking off do you know right, what I mean okay. not the Daleks specifically um, I like I like it when they're out on the street and the guy goes get back in the sky and throws <laughs> that's funny that's, get back where you came from you know you tin fuck yeah I like that there was a moment where just a voice a, a line from Shaun the Dead was resonating in my head and even though I, I wanted Harriet Jones to die yeah the moment where 
the Dalek aims his gun at her. I just add her, don't point that gun at Barbara. That's all I can think <laughs> in my head. <laughs> oh, um, oh yeah, how yeah, did you no. like the, um, the conclusion, I suppose, to the running gag of, yes, we know who you are. Like the final uh, character to say that was a Dalek. How do you feel about that? Yeah, you know, it's fine. Uh, Eddie, you're not a fan of her, are you? No. You don't like Harriet Jones. No. <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess I'm glad uh, she was there. I got to say though, you know, I mentioned the thing about the UN saying don't panic. Yeah. I, like, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to kind of integrate it into, oh, what if this really happened? How would pop culture respond? Yes. And so you have the interview with Dawkins and then you have Paul O'Grady going, you seen these planets they got in the sky? And it's like, you wouldn't be quipping about it, mate. No. You wouldn't be... It wouldn't be late-night talk show. Also, it's bloody quick, isn't it? Like, they must have been yeah. filming the episode as it happens. Yeah, you know, yeah, Like, yeah. as they change... The, and he's like, oh, I'll do a bit on this now. <laughs> They're seeing these things in the sky. Like, mate, this isn't... Everything would be cancelled. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, I've never, I haven't watched Torchwood. Mm-hmm. Or the Sarah Jane Adventures, I assume. No. Uh, you know Gwen? Mm-hmm. Gwen, right? Yeah when she's firing at the Dalek it was a like, calm down love like the, 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 that was just real overacting it's like, ah! yeah. just machine gunning at the Dalek um, when Rose and the Doctor reunite they actually ran at each other across yeah. the street <laughs> oh, I, I didn't like that but they never reach each other that's nah, true they just get zapped yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess it's a thumbs up but I didn't, I didn't love the episode how do you like um, how do you like insane Dalek Khan Oh, that's okay. Yeah, I like Insane Dalek. Right. I don't particularly like the episode because I think it's too much. It is too much. That's like my gripe. Yeah. It is, and it, yeah. It, what, it, is it, does, it gets to the point where it does wind me up. Because, well, there's a line that Jack says when they hear the Daleks and he just turns around and he goes, uh, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. We're dead. And I'm like, eh, Doctor gets out of these things, generally speaking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So my ultimate titles for this episode, Unearthed, that's one. Okay. Um, but the one I'm going to go with is elliptic. An elliptic is is the shape of the Earth. It also means something confusing and unexplained. Mm-hmm. So, and I'll pay that off with the title for the second okay. one as well. Okay. All right. Um, the Jaduna back. That's always good. Yeah, the Jaduna back. The Doctor does. He speaks Jadun. <laughs> he does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How did you like him speaking Jadun? I didn't. I had no opinion one way or the other. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, uh, okay. So. Journey's End. Journey's End. Davros is very Emperor Palpatine, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Including, like, electricity, like, coming out of yep. his fingers. And just how, like, hammy he gets. Oh, yeah. Like, he just starts fucking screaming whenever he's, like, talking about his plan and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Why did it have to be fucking Donna that saved the day? Because... Why? Because... Why? She's the companion. But she's so cocky when she... Oh, it's just so cringy. It's horrible. I, I, yeah, the big payoff, it's, it's, I didn't like it at all. I like the, the, the events of it and it, it's quite clever, but the way it's executed is, ugh. Right. Where it's like her, like, oh, I'm like half a doctor. I can do this. I can just like, fuck off. Like, who are you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't like that. Okay. Is Captain Jack just sex? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Because everything is just an opportunity for flirtation. Yep. yep. Yeah. I didn't like that. Well, that's, I don't know, that's his that character. Hit, I don't know what else to say about that. I guess, yeah. Um, it's okay, the episode. But I, yeah, like I said, I'm not a fan of the action-heavy episodes. It's a bit of a cop-out that Rose gets her own doctor. Okay. I didn't like that. Because like, he's the same in every way, except he's committed genocide. That, that's the difference. <laughs> no, no, he's human, right? That's he's the idea. Oh, I, okay, and he's human. human. Yeah. He's yeah. half human or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. so they will they will live the rest of their natural lives together. Rose and uh, this alternate yeah. doctor. Yeah. 
Um, oh yeah, just tell me, uh, take me through like um, at the end of the Stolen Earth when David Tennant begins regenerating. Yeah. What did you feel or think in that moment? Well, I didn't really think anything just because I knew obviously he wasn't going to. Yeah. So, yeah, nothing. I was like, oh, I wonder how they're going to get out of this. Okay. But yeah. Because obviously nothing. I saw it when it, um, as Eddie did as well, I imagine, I saw it when this first aired and in the week that followed, it, everywhere people were like, what the hell's going to happen? Like, is is David okay. Tennant genuinely gone? You know, all that sort yeah. of stuff. Obviously I've got the advantage or disadvantage of knowing certain things. Yeah. So I obviously knew that he was going to be back. Yeah. Because I think we knew going into series four, this was going to be his last one. Right, well, Eddie? Yeah, we knew it was going to be the last series. But also the specials had been talked about. So when he started regenerating, it was like, well, hang on a sec. If he's regenerating, who the fuck's doing the specials? Yeah. Because that's what they've talked about. Yeah. Like I said, I, I get it. I get the bringing back everyone, big action set piece, but I, I completely understand. But I'm not really a fan of those episodes. I like the smaller, idea-driven Yes, yeah. yeah, I would agree with you there, definitely. It's a thumbs up, but it's a conditional one, you know? It was okay. Mm. Okay. So series um, four seemed to improve in quality towards the end to you? Yeah. Okay. It's broadly a thumbs up, but, well, like a thumb up and then a tilted thumb. Okay. Yeah. Say. Uh, it's, not, it's not as good as series three. No. It's better than series two. I've I don't know where, where it stands in relation to series one, just because I've watched a lot now. I can't and I can't even <laughs> think of series one yeah. episodes. Um but yeah, no, it's it's alright, you know? It's okay. it's good. It's decent. Uh my alternate titles for this episode are The Crucible and then Ellipsis. And right, so Elliptic, the previous episode, is Shape of the Earth and like I said, something mysterious. Yeah. Ellipsis. Obviously, ellipsis means what's going to happen next. Yes. There's that. But also, um, ellipsis is what you use in language to denote gaps in speech, yeah. right? So, like, you're filling in a gap with an ellipsis. Yeah. And obviously, Donna's memory gets erased. So, it would... That oh, would okay. be the... All right. Yeah. So, elliptic ellipsis. Or failing that, I would call part one, reunion, because obviously everyone comes back together. Yeah. And then part two, homecoming. Right. And okay. obviously, they are synonyms. Yeah. Uh, but I'll, on balance, I'll go with elliptic ellipsis. I think. Okay. Fair. So yeah, season four broadly a thumbs up with a with a bit of an angle to them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Fair. So next we're on to the specials. Yeah. We are. Yes. Um, I guess we'll talk about Russell Davis as a whole when we're done with the specials. I feel like. Yeah. Even though this is sort of the finale of his era, I feel like we should wait until after the specials to sort of talk about him as a whole and this kind of like What's it? Are they era of the show as a whole. Him? I think yes, they, are. they are. Yeah. yeah. He might have co-written one or two. He's definitely the writer for all of them. Yeah. A writer for all of them, yeah. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah. Right. So what was your... Um, we'll do the quick little, like, you know, what was your favourite? Blah, yeah. blah, blah. So what was your favourite episode of this season? Uh, Forest of the Dead. Okay. Forest of the Dead on its own, or Silence yeah. in the Library as well? Or just as a single episode, Forest of the Dead. Okay. Donna is not your favourite companion? No, is she your Martha least favorite is my favourite companion? companion. She is my least favourite companion, yes. Okay. Uh, obviously, I imagine Christopher Eccleston hasn't changed. No. Nope. And Series 3 hasn't changed. No. Okay. All right. But you're still with Doctor Who at the moment. You're not You're not giving up on it yet. No. Well, I'm not going to give up on it now. I know, just, but you, uh, we haven't reached commitment. the point where it's like, I'm literally just because we're doing we're doing it for the sake of doing it. Now. No. It was a bit um, burdensome this time because I had to watch them all in four days. Right. Um, or five days, however long it was. That was a bit rough. But... Uh, yeah, we got a week now, so I'll parcel them out accordingly. Well, a week for but five episodes, like four, essentially. Yeah, five you can episodes, do one a day yeah. and you'll be fine, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, guess we'll see you on the next yeah. episode then. Okay. Ciao, ciao. All right. All right, take it away. 
Okay. Wobble, go.